Hello, welcome class to Weeb History 101. That's right, this is a class where you're going to learn about history through the eyes of anime. Now I know last week we talked about World War II with Ship Girls again, but this time I think we have a great endeavor. N no, there's no time traveling. N no, there's no lollies here. Just, can I please talk about the uh, syllabus first for today? Alright, so just remember the three rules of class is that uh, language and situations that are not suitable for all students may be present. And if you're afraid of that, you can leave the lecture now. Second is that any and all spoilers up to Kochiki episode 8, as well as any other anime of historical uh, prominence may come up. And third is that remember in our discussion portion of the class that the opinions reflect the individual and not all of Dub Talk as a whole. Now tonight, it's time to talk about the man, the myth, the legend. No, shut the fuck up. We are not talking about Goku. Not this time, anyway. No. No, we are also not talking about Char on a blaze. Don't have the money for that. No, guys, we're going to delve back into history. Get out your swords. N no, not the sword boys, unfortunately. Let's talk about Oda Nobunaga. One and all, and welcome to Dub Talk, the show where a group of Sengoku warlords get together and talk about our latest conquests. Tonight, I am your your supreme leader, Shogun Megan. I have to my left my retainer, Lilac. Oh God, the supreme leader. God, what am I gonna do with her? Yeah. I have my retainer, Jet. Hello. And of course, I have my favorite concubine, Roots of Justice. <laughs> God damn it! Why? God damn it! Did not expect my that. To my connection cut out. All I heard, all I heard, was the end of the like the greatest Ojo Sama laugh. <laughs> did you Ojo Sama laugh? I Ojo Sama laugh. He did. He totally fucking did. I love you. <laughs> I love you. Apparently, on a Discord now, I go by Ojo Sama. So, okay. Why? Yeah, somebody calls me the Ojos. I'm the Ojosama of the idols. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So tonight, with, uh, but tonight, first, before we start talking about what we're talking about, we have to talk about my favorite donors to the Dub Talk Empire. We have our $5 patrons, Crimson Echidna, Michelle Trappis. <laughs> Nico Robin, but with yaoi hands. I gotta do it. I can do it. You can Come on. Let's go. Come on, then. Let's do it. My other favorite. My other favorite concubine, Nico Robin, but with yaoi hands. <laughs> there it is. And our ten dollar, our ten dollar donors: Jacob Wilson, Carly Lestikow, Marissa Lenti, Brad Mitchell, Weeby, and Jared. Now, if you couldn't guess by all of our talk about Sengoku warlords, conquerings, and concubines, we are here to talk about. Japan's favorite subject, Haoda Nobunaga. This time, not with guns, not with Young Bride, not the fool, just Nobunaga. That's right, we are here to talk about the 2019 summer anime dubbed by Funimation, animated by. I th Please tell me this is Gonzo. Uh, I think it's Dean. This is uh, Gonzo. I think it's Genko. Oh, yeah. I think it's Genko. Yeah, I think it's Genko. 
Yeah, one sec. I can... Keep. I can pull that. <laughs> say, keep, I'm like 99. Say, keep going. It's it's not Dean. It's not. Keep going, and I'll it's, find it for it's you. It's too nice to be a. It's too nice to be a Dean show. <laughs> it is too nice to be a uh, Dean show. The 2019 summer anime dubbed by Funimation, directed by. Oh God, fuck me! Oh. I had this in my the, brain. Noriyuki Abe. You know, the guy who did Yu Yu Hakusho, Bleach, and, of course, everyone's favorite horror anime, Ghost Stories. So... Uh, yes, it is Studio Dean! Is Fuck Studio you, Roots fight me! Right. <laughs> it is Studio Dean. It is Dean. Studio Dean. Oh, okay. Yup, I'm staring That's right, right we're it. here to talk about Coach... That's right, we're here to talk about Kochoki, Co otherwise known as Kochoki uh, Wakain Nobunaga. Uh, that's right, somebody else is joining the tradition uh, that's... The tradition of other people playing Odin Nobunaga at Funimation this year. At least, though, this is a this is legit an Odin Nobunaga show about Odin Nobunaga, though. That's kind of very straightforward. Like, there's no gimmicks, guys. Like, he's not like. It's not like his bride coming back to like, fucking, uh, fucking come back and screw people. There's no magical like, bullshit. Bullshit. Nothing. He's joining an illustrious career. Uh, play this person, Woe, who played Oda Nobunaga against like like the likes of Robert McCollum, Kent Williams, and Jade Saxton. Yep. It counts. It totally counts. I looked it up. She's got Nobunaga's genes in her in that show. Oh boy. All right. <laughs> Roots, it's not that, that bad. God, it's fuck not that you. Stop it. Fuck you. Not like that. Not like that. Uh, wait, wait, wait. I Bad. Yes. Ah, good old yes. <laughs> Respect for the dead man. God damn it. <laughs> anyway. Now you are buried in the room. Anyway, to give. <laughs> <laughs> but it's open. I'm gonna open throw you in jail. In. God damn it. I'm gonna There's throw no you both in jail. Out. There is no way to get out. <laughs> God. Just, can I please read a plot summary? Wifey, can I be your new concubine since your actual one isn't cooperating? <laughs> Good, because our two, our two actual husbands don't deserve any puss. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Jet's just like right in front. Jet's just here, like, right in front of my salad. <laughs> Not in front of my salad. Jet, Jet is Jet is the straight man to all of us, and I feel really bad sometimes. I've tackled him over Hitalia before. Uh, I love you, Jet. You are the most patient life. motherfucker. Uh, very bold of you to assume about the straight man. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. We're no longer talking about Nobunaga. We're gonna go home. All right, guys. The time machine is open. We are going back home before we step on a butterfly and fuck up Japanese history. Oh God. Um. No. So, if I could seriously read a plot summary, before he was the great warlord Odo Nobunaga, he was Kiposhi, a young teenager trying to figure out what kind of man he wants to be. Despite his mother's antagonism, Kipochi befriends a group of local peasants and they work together to skim foreign goods from arriving shipments, enabling orphans to eat. When his younger brother, uh, 
Kanjuro discovers some goods he's kept for himself. Kiposhi tries to swear him to secrecy, but no avail. And with his, even with his older brother and Nobuhiro's inventors, Kiposhi and friends get in trouble with their dad, his dad. But this is the boy who will eventually grow up to become one of Japan's most famous warlords. If he can't outsmart his family to keep him and his friends alive, how can he ever conquer Japan? Uh, that's what just be summed up as local dork Oda Nobunaga just tries not to fuck up. <laughs> Pretty much. Tries not to fuck up. Fucks up anyway. Ah, anyway. oh, damn it. Now I'm gonna become a Sengo the Sengoku Era Conqueror. Um... So tonight we will be talking about the first eight episodes of Kochuki, uh, mostly because we only had the cast list up to episode seven, but even then most of the cast that we had to talk about was like done by episode five. However, it was in the middle of an arc and I would have felt really bad not getting to the end of that. <laughs> um. Yep. It's all right. Because holy right. shit, what an arc. Yeah, that's just like shit you end, oh shit you end a show with, not shit you midpoint your show with. Um, so this will be an impressions episode. Uh, unfortunately, we kind of decided to do Kochoki at the last minute after the cast had been announced and a lot of us knew who it was, so we don't have any predictions, which is going to make this go by a lot faster. <laughs> so, let's get started with like our direct- a lot faster, too. <laughs> Shut up. It's not wrong. I, I can only describe that if me and Steph just start yelling shut up at each other, we're like two lynxes screaming at each other in the woods. <laughs> so, uh, that is pretty accurate. <laughs> sounds about right. Sounds sounds about white. Um, anyway, so, so yeah. let's start about our directors and writer. Our main director of the series is one Mr. Jerry Jewell, who is being assisted by Afia Yu. And our writer is Clayton Browning. Jerry Jewell has directed such series as A Certain Scientific Accelerator and all members of the Index Railgun and whatever the fuck that family is called. Space Battleship Yamato 2199 and 2202 and Sarah for the End. Afia Yu has directed series such as Classroom of the Elite, The Quintessential Quintuplets, and Assassination Classroom Season 2. Clayton Browning has written for series such as Fairy Gone, SSSS Gridman, and Boogie Pop, and others. So tonight our order is going to be Roots, Lilac, Jet, then myself. So Roots, go ahead. Yeah, so honestly, I kind of... This is kind of a weird show where I I did think the... I forced everybody to do this. What's that? Where I forced everybody on this episode. Oh, well, I mean that. Sounds about right. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we forced it. Well, you didn't force Roots. No, I, I, had, force already, Roots. I had already watched episode one because I watched like episode one of everything. I'm like, okay, this is cool. But, uh... uh yeah, okay. that's the same with me. But, uh... I'm just here. <laughs> I'm just here for the free punch. Steph's here so she won't get fined. <laughs> what do you mean that it won't get fined? I'm just here so I won't get fined. It's a reference munch, to something munch, that you munch won't munch understand. On Skittles. What the fuck? Because <laughs> the whole thing... <laughs> ah, my boyfriend gets... We'll explain to you when you're older. Yeah, we'll, we'll tell <laughs> you later. We'll explain to you Thanks, when you mom. get older. You all get Thanks, it mom. out there. Anyway. Thanks, Mom. Uh, so this show is kind of a weird case where I thought the scripts were kind of stilted, but that actually made sense given the context that we're dealing with people who are, like, mainly nobles. 
So, of course, they're going to have, like, a big pompous air to them whenever they talk. So, I I didn't actually have a problem with the fact that the, the dialogue sounded silted this time. Uh, and, actually, a few, few of the characters that we'll be getting into a little later in the episode, I think at least one of them, uh, they actually kind of speak a little bit freer as if they were commoners, which I, I thought that dichotomy between the sort of the stuffier characters and the and the more <clears throat> outspoken characters who had a commoner background, I, I thought that was really cool. Uh, casting was actually really good, and if ANN is to be believed, there is somebody I have not actually seen in a Funimation simuldub in this before, which is really cool. Uh, so yeah, I, and, uh, direction-wise, there were some really great performances that we'll be, you know, getting around to over the course of the episode, and any... Any of the ones that I thought really particularly stood out, I will probably get into in Final Thoughts. So, in terms of direction and script writing, great all around. Neato. Um, hmm. I'm going to keep this very simplistic. I don't have a lot of notes for the directing and writing of the show. Um, bear in mind, I have been sick for the past few days. I'm getting over whatever freaking cold or disease I have going on. It's great. Um, disease. So, ugh, sucks so bad. Ick. Um, but in terms of, I'll start with the writing on this one. Uh, the writing is a very interesting one since this is a his historical um piece or historical fiction, as far as we know of. You kind of can't take a lot of liberties with the script, and um. It's interesting that Roots described it as kind of stilted. Um, I didn't actually think of it that way. But with the kind of context for the um, historical fiction and all this in terms of like this, the how they speak, how they address themselves, things like that, um, they did use formal formal Japanese term terms or pronouns for them. Like um, you have... Uh, Nobunaga-sama or um, Dono and things like that, which actually I think add a little bit more of an emphasis to um, the time period, which I think really works very well because it's very, very, very rare that that choice, um, both a, on a writing and a directorial front, is made to use those um, uh, not pronouns or surnames, whatever the heck you want to use, call it. Um, and I think it actually works very well giving a bit of a more emphasis uh, to these characters who are, majority of them are of a noble background. Um, so I do enjoy the script. It's a lot of fun and it does also convey a very interesting portrayal of Nobunaga. Because uh, Nobunaga, for the majority of the series, is a goober. Uh, he's an adorable little goober um, compared to what his history has us to believe anyway. Um, or every other anime he's ever been depicted in. I'm not uh, counting any of those right now. <laughs> uh, I mean, no, he was kind of so he was kind of portrayed as a goofball and nobody knocking the fool, but nobody knocking the fool also wasn't very good. So, <laughs> nobody knocking the fool also had mechs for some fucking reason. So, Nobunaga the fool was just an excuse for Nobunaga to ride a giant robot. Let's be real. It really is. 
Let, let's it's Shoji Kawamori. Uh, he finds excuses to put just about anybody in a giant robot. Because fuck you, that's why. Because you want to cool. see. You want to see no Oda Nobunaga ri uh, ride a giant robot because you only want good things for Oda Nobunaga. And frankly, who doesn't? <laughs> 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 oh, shit. I'd uh, ship Nobunaga in a giant robot. <laughs> I ship it. I ship it FedEx. <laughs> anyway. Um, Coming next anime season. The young Odu Nobunaga's young robot bride. Oh my god. <laughs> the ghost of Odu Nobunaga is gonna fucking smite us, guys. <laughs> I mean, if he hasn't, if he didn't come and smite every every other person work worked on a no Nobunaga adaptation, I mean, God. I mean, nothing Japan, could be worse than an anime that aired last. Okay, there's literally an anime last season that involved like a like underage girl like hitting on a 27 year old teacher because she had the he had the genes of Odu Nobunaga. So, yeah, that was a thing. Anyway, anyway Stephanie, go uh, ahead. I'm so sorry. Yep. Anyway, uh, in terms of the directing, um, I really love the directing on this show. The casting is a lot of fun. Uh, I, I, here's the thing. I don't think I can say anymore that the cat with this cat with casting like this nowadays that these are newer actors or underutilized actors because a lot of we're at this point where a lot of these actors in this new generation that are coming in uh, with the Samuel Dub era too that they've become very established in their own right, that you could basically call them veterans at this stage. So I don't want to call them new, like underutilized or fairly new at this point. So I really, but I really do love the casting on this. Uh, it has some fantastic choices. It gives a few um, actors and actresses uh, some major roles too. Um, I know one in particular uh, has a major role in this and in the same season is has his first leading role too uh, for a different show and that's really awesome. And then our lead uh, Nobunaga here, this is like probably his, one of his, his like, maybe his second lead this year. If I'm right. It's his fourth. It's his fourth. Uh, really? Because he had two last season... He's got this one this season. Um, he repeats one in the fall. What? He repeats one in the fall. Yeah, I know he's repeating one in the fall. Uh, what, you keep talking, I will count. Season? Okay. But um, I really love the directing choices. And Jerry... <laughs> Jerry Jewell is always a fun director. Because he, he seems always so passionate about the different projects he takes on. And... Uh, he has just such a fun time, but I'm all but I'm very sad. He didn't accidentally cast himself somewhere <laughs> in a role yet. that he'll yet. stick around. Yes, sad about still that. Four more episodes. <laughs> episodes. I know, but still, because <laughs> he did that One. a few times before, and I'm very sad he hasn't done that yet. <laughs> like, where are you, Jerry? Yes, he did do four. <laughs> he, he did. I'm counting one of them uh, that you're on the show. You're on that episode. I am counting his character as one of the main characters. Oh, right, right, right. Yep, I know which one you're talking about. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Happy birthday to you. 
Yep. Uh, I'm counting that one. Okay, that's why. That explains a few things. Wait, then that's three. But yeah, Jerry's always fun, a fun director because he seems always so passionate. And he has just so much fun with the shows that he directs. And it's always a treat when you get to see Jerry come in as a director for a season and he gets to take on a show. Uh, maybe two. Who knows? Uh, and I really like the choices that he did here with casting, especially with probably especially with the two brothers in particular, because those two are just a lot of fun. And then uh, it's what it's an underrated dub. I think it's one of those. It's a show. The show itself is going to go completely under everybody's radar. And I think because of that, the dub is going to like fly under the radar too. This is definitely a fun a fun dub that I've seen so far this season, and this coming from someone who's only really watched, like, two or three summer shows. But, um, this is definitely a show, uh, and a dub that I've been enjoying so far, and you should go watch it. I'm just saying it right now. Go watch it. It's, it's underrated, for sure. I'm done. Jet? Okay, um, so for me, um, so I've enjoyed a fair amount of dubs that Jerry Jewel directed, uh, but for me, he could sometimes be, um, he could sometimes just kind of range from, like, very impressive to just, like, very okay for me, kind of depending on how much he's on his A-game. And as far as Coach, as far as, uh, Kotoki goes, uh, this one's kind of in the okay category for me. Uh, I like most of the performances, uh, most of them are fine, and no one here sounds, like, particularly off or poorly cast, but, uh, nothing in the vocal direction is really, like, super wowed me either, say maybe like one or two really good scenes. And I actually like a lot of the performances with the side characters a little bit more than a central cast, even if I don't have any like really big issues with them. Uh, but, I mean, but, uh, but on the whole, it's like pretty solidly directed, I think. Um, I'm a little bit more impressed with Clayton Braddock's work on the script. If mostly because he had to deal with the often difficult task of a adaptic period piece and and uh, like Steph was saying, I appreciate that he left in a lot of the Japanese honorifics. Uh, for most of that's it, honorifics. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, for most of that sort of thing would kind of be a death sentence, but since we're dealing with a show that's about actual Japanese history, which is more surprising to say, but I don't know, but I think that it probably should be. Uh, it makes sense to keep things consistent with the setting, and I also like how a lot of the prose kind of gets across as this. This is taking place in what is technically medieval times without getting, like, super over the top of it. Like, you know, you know like, I have a whole bunch of people going with, like, these and those or all that good stuff. And it also still gets to get in a couple of good quips every now and then that don't feel super out of place. And, like, and, like one of the lines that from the retainers that got me that was kind of funny was, like, we're your age, I want to save you. And, you know, kind of little stuff like that. Um, so, Wait, yeah. what was it? It was something like, we're your aides and let us aid you. Ah. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. So, okay, so, yeah. So, on a whole, I'd say this is a very serviceable dub, but while I wouldn't rate it about this season's heaviest hitters, I think Terry and Clayton are doing a pretty good job of things so far. And it, like, and it definitely has endeared me, endeared to me more and more the more I've gotten into the show. So, on a whole, I'd say it's a pretty smooth watch. I'm done. Uh, I guess I'll go. Oh yeah, I, I guess I'll go. Um, for me, I I pretty much was just like I watched episode one of the show and it was like immediately we're doing a fucking episode on this. I absolutely adored this, and then I stopped watching it until we were about to record this because that's what I do. Um, so 
I think I'm I'm more on the camp with Steph. Like this is an absolutely underrated show of the season. It's got a lot of drama. It's got a lot of action. It's not like, look, not everything is going to be Fruits Basket or Fire Force. Which then again, even then, the latter is kind of getting a little infuriating now with certain aspects of it. It's not uh, Doctor Stone. There we go. Yeah, or it's not Doctor Stone. We're like, good. where everybody's like, go watch the nice big shiny Shonen thing and stuff. Um, but I do disagree about the dub. I actually think this is uh, a, a really great dub. I, I agree with stuff that it's completely underrated. I think that the casting on this is fairly creative. Um, fairly creative. I, I'm i not going to lie that I adore getting to see who plays one of these characters in a lot of things because he genuinely impressed me last year with a lot of his work. Um, he was just shy of some Ws for me on certain things. I think that... The writing is what really stood out to me. Um, like Jet said, this really does balance the period piece aspect with... It balances being a period piece, but it also is able to... The show is fairly humorous at points. Um, I think one of my, my favorite exchanges is on Nobunaga's wedding night between him and uh, uh, Sunoki. <laughs> where he's like... Where he's just like... She's gonna kill me. You need to watch me tonight. She's gonna poison me and kill me. And he's like, "That's a, that's a really funny joke." No, dude, seriously, I need you to watch over me all night. And he goes, "Look, I am not watching you consummate your marriage. I'm not. I'm no." And like he doesn't. He's and like the fact that it was like very much like a it was a funny humorous scene that mixed being funny and humorous with a lot of the delivery and the acting. But it worked well with Clayton Browning's writing to bring this through. And Clayton Browning, I believe this year, has worked on... I know Fairy Gone was the big one that he worked on. And that had to walk that line of being, like, way too... Having, I'm assuming, because I watched one episode of Fairy Gone and then dropped it. Um, and I don't know if I should get back to it or not. Yeah, it's alright. Uh, but this is a person, Clayton Browning has worked on some scripts this year that were, I would say, a little bit relatively more challenging, being uh, this, Boogie Pop and others, Fairy Gone, and then yep. taking a look in there. He's also written another period, he also did uh, two episodes of scripts for another period piece, which was Joker Game, mm. which came out really right. well. Uh, so... I think that having somebody who had worked on especially something like Joker game where um, he knows how to write for a specific time period really works and it comes through here. And I think that that writing being able to walk that fine line is a testament uh, to what he's doing. Um, I am a little surprised that it wasn't, the crew that did, um, give me one second, I need to pull up the show, but I want to get the names of the writers. Um, I was actually super surprised that this script wasn't actually done by Jessica Cavanaugh, because she really? did do, well, because she did Golden Comedy. Ah. Uh, and that's another period piece. That, that could walk that line between, from what I've seen, of keeping all of the terminology and stuff in place and also doing that. Uh, 
But overall, I think it's a, a, a really good effort from Jerry, Afia, and Clayton, though I think Clayton's work shines a little bit more than I would say Jerry's. Though, I, I will say this, like, I think I'm a little bit more forgiving on Jerry Jules, like, maybe okay dubs compared to things, because I, I've been through where, like, Jerry's heart may have not been into something, or... And I, I don't want to accuse him of being a lazy director, I think the man is far from it, but they're... I've sat in through, through dubs that maybe he directed that weren't the best thing in the world. And this is very, to me, a very far, far pushback from that. This is a lot more solid than I think a lot of people would, would give credit for. So. Yay. Alright, so are we ready to move on to the first set of characters? Yes, please. Let's do it. So, cool. We're going to talk about some of Odu Nobunaga's family. His... Specifically, his older sister, his mother, and one of his younger brothers. So we have Ohana, who is his older sister. Ohana is basically kind of there right now to be Nobunaga's just big sister figure. She's kind of a confidant to his wife, Kicho, and the others. But she's hanging around, and frankly, I, I didn't know where to put her, and I, I wanted to talk about her. Then we have Gozen, who is his mother, who fucking hates him. Gozen no likey Nobunaga. Mom, mom is mad. Mom don't like him. Mom don't like him. But she dotes on his other brothers, like, like, like good old Nobukatsu and and oh boy. <laughs> then there's Hidetaka. Oh god. Hidetaka oh. is a sweet, precious cinnamon roll of a child. Who did who nothing, like, nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. <laughs> Hidetaka did nothing wrong. Except for, like, bugs and be in his own world and kind of got, kind of got murdered because Nobunaga needs to get taken down by his, the people who left him and okay, I hate to do this, but, like, I messaged Roots about Hidetaka's death, and I said, this is some straight-up, like, end of Of Mice and Men shit going on right now. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god, now that you say Hide that! Hidetaka- Because all- Hidetaka- Okay, like, look, if, if, you, if you don't plan on watching the show, essentially Hidetaka, um- is going to go with a letter to Nobunaga that was written by uh, Nobuhi uh, yeah. Nobukatsu. Nobukatsu. Sorry, there's a lot of names. <laughs> there's a lot of Nobus. A lot of Nobus. A lot of Nobu. Um, but Hidetaka sees some fireflies that he had been waiting to see with um, Hidetaka, uh, Nobunaga's retainer, uh, Sunoki, and he wanders out into the hunting range and gets shot by their uncle. Uh, and then when Nobu. Uh, I gotta keep scrolling up and down. There's too many Nobus. Uh, when Nobukatsu, when Nobukatsu wants to take revenge on his uncle, and he calls for Nobunaga to avenge him, Nobunaga doesn't go, and it kind of his death kind of starts spiraling the the big fracture between the two brothers that was orchestrated by another character, and we will get to that character a little later. I uh, want to punch him into the sun. We all do. Uh, Fuck that guy. Ohana is played by Caitlin Barr, Gozen is played by Anastasia Munoz, and Hidetaka is played by Madeline Morris. Oh, Caitlin Barr, you'll know as Dominante Code and Black Clover. Miyako, 
Miyako Tadamaru in Hanabato and Melda Dietz in Space Battleship Yamato 2199. Anastasia Munoz, you will know as Harumi uh, Kiyama in the Railgun franchise, Quinn in Death Parade, and uh, I am about to butcher this. Imano Surugi in Token Rambu Hanamaru, Madeline Marshall knows characters such as Azriel in Dances with the Dragons. Uh, Lynn Hughes in The Wiseman's Grandchild, and Maria Tosca in Seven Mortal Sins. Roots of Justice, go ahead. Alright, um, guess I'll start with, um, Ohana and Caitlin Barr. I, I didn't really see much of the character for most of the, uh, for most of the runtime of the, of the eight episodes we had, but I really liked that she was sort of a, that she liked to gossip with a lot of the staff of the uh, of the household and other members of uh, Nobunaga's family, like, and I like that by the point that we're at in the series, she has basically sort of become the information broker of the to Nobunaga, just of like the family's inner politics and stuff. It's great, and I like I I like how Caitlin Barr just plays her as this gossip who really wants to keep her brother safe and dispenses all of this information to him that would probably be important later. Which, spoiler alert, does. But, um... And God, uh... Gozen and Anastasia Munoz. God, I... <laughs> I love how slimy she played her. Like, she clearly wants nothing to do with Nobunaga. Like, as far as she's concerned, he may as well be dead to her. But then he starts gaining power, and she starts trying to curry favor with with his brothers to try and usurp him. Like, I, I love that power play dynamic throughout the course of the, of the episodes that we, that we have available to us. And I really should watch the rest of it sub, because I'm, I'm really curious to see how this goes, and I'm... I really don't want to wait. Hold up! Hold off! Be strong! <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of the performance, I, I love how Anastasia Munoz sort of has the, has the outer face of the... I'm sorry, the outer mask of nobility while... Secretly, she's trying to stab her own son in the back. Like, I I think that was absolutely wonderfully done. And I... And yeah, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Uh, Madeline Morris as Hidetaka. I really... It's, it's hard to describe my feelings for her performance, because I really... I really appreciate that she played him with such enthusiasm, but Hidetaka is very clearly written in the show as an autistic character, and I'm glad that she didn't sort of do the... Oh, how do I word this? The, um... St. Elsewhere approach, let's just say. Where it's just sort of the, oh, he stares at that snow globe all day. I wonder what's going on in his mind. Autism is sure a thing, isn't it? 
Like the like the whole thing with yeah. the series finale of Saint Elsewhere, the the infamous. Okay. But yeah, I. That's one thing I really appreciate with this show is that, like I said, Hidetaka is very clearly. It's not explicitly stated because let's face it, this problem. I would assume that the medical definition of autism was not discovered in the 16th century, let alone 16th century Japan. So, but at the same time, it's at least very clear right. that there is something with him. Yeah. He's described as being off in his own world, and when you call to him and he's in there, he won't respond to you. Right. Mm-hmm. But in particular, I really appreciate the fact that Madeline Morris played this off as sort of... She played Hidetake as a very enthusiastic character about insects. You talk to him about, like, a dragonfly larva, and he'll suddenly lighten up and just open entirely up to you. And I, I like her interactions with, um... With, uh... Sunoshi. Uh, yeah, Tsunoki's actor, who we'll we'll get to later on in in the episode, but like I I thought that was really beautiful, and I I really like these three performances. Great job all around. I don't have a lot of notes on these three characters, so I'm gonna make this very very short. Um, Caitlin is a fun big sister type. She she's great because she loves to just hassle Nobunaga all day long. It's great. She just poke fun at him. It's I love it. I, I want to see more. Because um, she kind of came in a little late. Probably like after the halfway point from the eight episodes that we watched. Um, so it's a little late and I do want to see more from her. No, she shows up in like episode two. Yeah. She does? Yes. Yeah, she does. She's, oh. yeah, she's, heard up to like, she's heard up to like heckle him about getting married. So. Oh, you're right. My bad. Yeah, and she shows up a couple other times just like just chilling out with him. Yeah, I, okay. Let me rephrase it then. She's not in this show enough. There, yeah. Unfortunately, and it's and it's sad because I like her as a character. Um, Caitlin just has this way about playing like the big sister type of characters that's kind of very snarky. Um, another example, even though it's not really big sister kind of character, is um, her character in Black Clover. <laughs> she just likes Dominate. to heckle and hassle. Yep, she likes to heckle and hassle people. It's kind of funny. And I love it. Um, she likes to bust uh, Eric Vale's balls in that show. <laughs> yup, it's the greatest thing. I love it. Um, Anastasia Munoz uh, Gozen's a bitch. <laughs> Gozen is a bitch. Um, she does give Gozen a kind of regal air to her because she is of nobility, of in a sense. Um, however, she again, she's such a bitch, and I love it. Um, yeah, she's like, you know what? Fuck, fuck Nobunaga. Why you? Why you want to disappoint mom? Like she's very, she's she's very cunning and she's very manipulative, especially with Nobukatsu. Like, he's like, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. You'll make me very upset. And then Nobukatsu's just like, okay, I'll, I'll listen, mom. Oh, Nobukatsu, poor Nobukatsu. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> oh, that fresh, reminds me. Precious child. That reminds what? me of the, um, I want to say it was, like, episode six, where he's, he's with his advisors and his mother, and he's just there, like, I need to go give Nobunaga aid, and she's just like, 
No, you're gonna sit down. And then she told him... And then she tells him that, you know, he can go, but he's not allowed to leave his horse. God, what a mama's boy. Which he didn't. He's such a mama's boy. We're, we're gonna didn't. get to that later! Yeah. Which he... Which... Which we he don't have leave time. his horse, you asshole! We didn't have... We don't have time to unpack all that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not right now! Yeah, we don't uh, anyway. have time to uh, unpack all of this. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe some other time. Anyway, uh, well, yeah. Alessandra Munoz goes in as a bitch. It's fun, uh, but does have that regal sense of nobility to it, and that works very, very well. Hidetaka is a precious cinnamon roll, too good and pure for this earth. Madeline Morris got done dirty. <laughs> she got done dirty. Um, uh, yeah, like. Ruth was kind of explaining it a lot better than I could. Um, you can easily tell that there is something about Hidetaka that's going on with him. Um, could be he's autistic or could be something else. But it's not an overplay. It's not like overplayed. It's not underplayed. It's it's subtle enough for it no. to work, um, and you can notice it, which is fantastic. Uh, and. I don't. I don't hear Madeline Morris's little boys that often, unfortunately, um, and I think her little boy voice here actually worked very well. So I do like all three of these performances. But Madeline Morris got done dirty. Yeah. Like she really did. <laughs> she got done dirty. I'm done. All right, Jet. Okay. Uh, I don't have notes on any of these three, so I will be very quick. Um. Uh, Caitlin Barr is Ohana. I, this, I, she wasn't in the, I mean, well, she was in the show a lot, but mostly in the background. Uh, but I definitely enjoy Caitlin Barr's performance. I thought she did a good job of, you know, being like the, okay, well, you know, being kind of the doing it older sister. She likes to heckle her brother a lot, and I like a lot of their interactions. I like that, uh, like that whole bit in episode two I briefly mentioned where she's kind of heckling him over getting married was kind of funny. Okay, and uh, like Ruth was saying, she does uh, she does kind of serve as a informative sort, even if not like always intentionally. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, I mean, I do wish I had a little bit more to say, her, but I do like what Caitlin Martin her so far. I definitely have more to say about Pedestal uh, Munoz as Gozen because, as we've established, uh, Gozen's kind of a piece of work. Um, she, uh, she very clearly has an Afro Nobunaga. We don't quite know why yet. Uh, but, uh, but he definitely leads more towards Obikatsu and very clearly wants to groom him to take over the family. And he's also very controlling of him as we kind of see where she's, uh, where is he, you know, where is he lays down the ground rules if he wants to go off the same Nobunaka and that whole, uh, that whole bit was pretty interesting. Okay, and I definitely like, and I definitely like Anastasia's tone. He gives her a very regal tone. And that makes her sound very authoritative, like like somebody you definitely do not want to screw around with. As a, and like and also kind of, and also a little manipulative, which is always kind of fun. And uh, yeah, very interesting character, not a very likable character, but I definitely enjoyed the performance a lot. And then uh, Madeline Morris is a Hidetaka, as you already established. Hidetaka is just kind of a cinnamon roll to press the good for this world, which means very clearly gonna die. I didn't quite pick up on it. <laughs> uh, okay. I love how I love that's how we do, how we can tell. 
You're a cinnamon roll, right? Yeah, you're gonna die. What? <laughs> yeah, uh, I didn't quite, I, like, I didn't quite catch up on the potential autism tobacco, but now that you mention it, I do, I do kind of see it now, and I do think that was handled very tastefully. Okay, as and as and I do like how Madeline played the character and made him sound very sweet. Okay, like it is like it did sound maybe like a little too feminine for how old he's supposed to be. Like it's never said how old he is, but I'm guessing he's like twelve or thirteen or something like that. So he did sound maybe a little too soft for that. But other than that, I thought the performance was very good. I think that's the point of his character is that he is very soft spoken and. They, they kind of, like, I think even his mom is like, we're gonna send him to a place where he doesn't have to be a samurai. Yep. Uh, oh, 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 yeah, I do. Yeah, I do very vividly recall that being mentioned. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, so, 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 yeah, I thought Madeline's performance was very good. I definitely felt, I definitely felt very bad when he died, even though it was kind of obvious he was going to die. And, uh, yeah, all the, the performances were very good. Hidetaka didn't deserve this. Nope. Hidetaka did nothing wrong. Hidetaka. I just want to make Madeline a shirt that says Hidetaka did nothing wrong. Um, nice. Caitlin Barr is a really good older sister. She's got a lot of charm and kind of wit to her in the little bit of time that she's seen her. She's very much a ball. Nobunaga's ball buster. Um, let's go. Anastasia Munoz just goes in. Is I'm used to Anastasia Munoz playing a lot of people's shitty parents. <laughs> um, but man, Gozen is like, I think the thing that she is is that she's not like, it's not like the overt, bad, evil, mean mom type of voice. It's very much the scheming politician voice. Yeah. But she's also a mom. And she's, I think the other thing that really got me with her is when, um, she's over Hidetaka's dead body and she's like hysterically crying and she's like, Nobutaka, look at his face. It's as if he was forever dreaming. Yep. And, she, like, I thought she did such a good job in that scene. And then when she's begging to Nobunaga to spare his brother. Yep. Just the levels of, oh, well, I fucked up. Well. <laughs> well. Like, Thanks, ma. It's like, ah, carrot. God, she's like the politician version of, I want to speak to your manager. <laughs> <laughs> I am the manager. <laughs> Nobunaga spins around. I am the manager. Where's the manager? Where's the name tag? Hello, my no- name is Nobunaga. Where's store manager? Where's the head of the Nobunaga clan? Bring me to him. Nobunaga turns around. May I help you? <laughs> Accurate. Everybody in the room is just smacking their heads. Um, but really, actually, I was. I, I, I can't bring on, but no, uh, I really actually do want to super ca- compliment Madeline Morris as uh, Hidetaka, because I also have never heard Madeline Morris play a little boy before. And he's not very little. He is very much like an, a, a preteen. And preteen. I, I his, do. His balls hasn't dropped yet. Yeah, because I, I would say, because Nobutaka, I think, was also played by... Uh, a, a, a female actor until he suddenly, apparently, as in the show they state, uh, Nobutaka suddenly got really hot. Um, <laughs> but, uh, the way that he plays him is so gentle and sweet and, like, I it sounds really weird that I'm gonna say this. There's another show that will never get dubbed, but now I kind of want Madeline Morris to play this one character until something happens to him where she can't play that character anymore. 
Um, and I'll explain what it is to you guys after we record this. Um, but I think she did such a good job capturing the innocence and and gentleness of Hidetaka because because as as uh, goes in states that uh, he is not fit to be a samurai. They they want to send him to a farm up north <laughs> where he can where he can play with the bugs. Um, oh God! Oh George! And then he gets, and then he gets, and then he gets shot in the back with an arrow. Um, <laughs> and I just think that he is the absolute sweetest, and I think Madeline played it really well. I know a lot of people might critique it for being a little too feminine, but like, read the character and read the show, and that he, it, I actually couldn't, I, I, I actually was quite surprised to learn it was Madeline Morris. I thought it was a very soft-spoken gentleman. Um, this is actually a character that I would have actually put, like, Michaela Krantz as. Which is funny. Funny, because Michaela Krantz is, like, as, 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 like, one of the most feminine characters. Um, so, just overall, I think a a solid job. Are we ready to move on to the next two characters? Let's do it. Awesome. So, the next section, the next two characters we are talking about are kind of allies of Nobunaga through his early life. Um, and towards the beginning of, like, when he becomes a conqueror, they are, uh, Takugen, a Buddhist monk who lives in the, uh, territory that the Nobunaga clan controls, and Hirate. Hirate is essentially the retainer that was closest to, uh, Nobunaga's father, who, uh, uh, who basically raised, uh, Nobunaga as if he was his own son. Um, just to get, I don't think it has, it doesn't have his full name. Uh, just Nobuhiro. No, Nobuhiro's the brother. Nobuhide, he was the retainer, he was like Nobuhide, who was the dad's, like, best friend and retainer. So, playing Takagen is Micah Solisad, and playing, uh, Hirate is Mark Stoddard. Micah Solisad denotes characters such as Yuichiro Hiyakia in Sarah for the End, Black in The King of Despair in Blood Blockade Battlefront, and Akashi Kuniyuki in Tokenrambu Hanamaru. Mark Spotter, you'll know as characters such as Spade in Aka 13 Territory Inspections Department, Joe Butterfly Joe Koizumi in Ping Pong, the animation, and Ushimatsu Kadota in Sakura Quest. So, Roots, go ahead. Okay, so first and foremost, can I just say I really love the fact that um, Micah Solsad played Takugen as sort of this really shifty character, and yet he's still on Nobunaga's <laughs> side, pretty much. Through the whole yes. thing. Like, I... I love shifty good guys. Shift? That's one way to describe it. Like, he... He's cold and calculating, and yet, like... He's one of the good guys, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm all for this. Doing what's gotta be done. But in all seriousness, I really like the fact that, like, he, he's played as somebody who legitimately cares about Nobunaga and his and his general cause of uniting his specific region of Japan. And just going around using, like, the fact that he's a monk as a cover to, like, gather information and manipulate people to better suit Nobunaga's needs. And I, I, I just really love that in a character. And Micah Solsad really gets that across. 
And, like, I really like Mark Stoddard as an actor. Like, he just has this really warm voice that I... I really love it when he plays fatherly figures. Like, I... I still get chills with his, um, uh, with his speech as Dr. Hero look. Oh, my heart. Dr. Hero look? In One Piece. One Piece. Oh. Um, Tony Tony Chopper's adoptive dad. Okay. He dies. He dies. I, I know this. <laughs> we're just, we're just letting you know, though. He dies. He's so precious. He makes a speech and then he blowed up. <laughs> he blew, he blowed it up. He exploded. I'm trying to recall what happened to him in the four kids stuff because I honestly don't remember. Um, he just died. He got, he got sick. Oh, oh, like, he went to a he went to a farm down south. <laughs> God damn it! Like if I recall okay, correctly, I think they actually kept in the fact that uh, Chopper accidentally poisoned him. But oh, uh, oh yeah, I think I do vaguely remember that. But, but they, it is four kids, so it's hard to know. Yeah, I think the only thing they cut out was the explosion. Yep. But anyway, back to uh, back to Kochiki. Um, I I really like the standout of his performance is the last episode he shows up. I think it's what four or five. Pretty sure it's four. I think it's four. four. Yeah, toward toward the end of his role in four, when he's uh, when he's on his deathbed. Like I like it really shows how much the character of uh, Hirate cared about Nobunaga, pretty much as a, as a as his uh, as if he were his own son. And um, yeah, I I really like the fact that uh, Mark Sutter gave him sort of this grandfatherly warmth and I, I just like both of these performances overall, so thumbs up. Crap, I was chewing food. <laughs> um, okay, uh, so I will start with Micah. Micah, <laughs> I never thought, I don't think I've ever seen Micah play this type of character before. Where he's the... <laughs> Roots, how did you describe this character again? He's Shady. He's like a shifty good guy. The shifty good guy. I've, I don't think I've really ever seen Micah play the shifty good guy, let alone a monk <laughs> before. I mean, Takuyan is definitely... He, he, he has the tone of voice that makes it sound like he's going to betray everybody in the end. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised that by the end of it, he does something fucking stupid. Like, and he makes me want to punt him into the sun. But at the same time, as far as we know of, that's not the case. And it's actually really good. And I think it also, what really helps too, and it might be a factor into the tone of voice that's used here, because of his profession, he has like this a spiritual, breathy kind of tone to his voice in a way, um, which kind of exudes this man of... This man of God of the swords, or man of Buddha, I should say. Um, and I think it actually works very, very well uh, with, with his performance. Um, and like Roots was saying, I like how he also is doing things. 
he uses this professional also as a cover for certain things. He's the one, I'm assuming, because Nobunaga for the longest time had written so many letters to Nobukatsu, but then all of us, but he never got a reply. All of a sudden he gets, Nobukatsu gets one letter from him that was hand delivered by Takugen. I'm assuming that all the other letters were taken away and he never got to read them. So, so it's, it's fun that he gets to just kind of like sneak his way in there and just be like, oh, I'm, and his excuse is like, oh, I'm just visiting for this holiday, celebrate the great Buddha, and in actuality, he's just, here, your brother wrote you a letter. <laughs> it's great. Um, but the real reason why we're all here is Papa Mark's daughter. <laughs> Good old dad. Hirate. Um, I also love Mark Stoddard characters. He's so fun. Um, I think one of my favorite Mark Stoddard roles is definitely um, Butterfly Joe from Ping Pong, though. That's my favorite. He's a good one. Because um, Mark is good at playing older characters, but he's also good at playing fatherly figures. And like Rudes was touching on before, um, Hirate is definitely a father figure to Nobunaga. Especially when, because we know this very, very early on, by the end of episode one, um, that Nobuhide, uh, their their father, isn't exactly the most caring individual in the world. Their dad isn't. Their dad. Their dad. He cares. In his own way. Not the way. Not in his own way. His own way. Own way. But, um, Cats in the cradle of the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man of the moon. When are you coming home, Dad? I don't know when. But we'll be <laughs> together then, Dad. I know we'll have a good time then. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. Cats in the cradle? Not the greatest first impression of Dad, but, um,. <laughs> Hirate is definitely a very, he's very wise, he's very caring, he has such heart, and he's compassionate um, towards Nobunaga and, Nobu and Nobukatsu, all of the, the members of the Oda family and the Oda clan. Um, he has this huge heart and this compassion towards them, and um, so much so that he's willing to give up his life in the end for it. Um, and again, like Roots was saying, when he was on his deathbed, I felt it so bad i was like no no you stay dad you need to stay <laughs> dad just don't go stay, away dad just stay long enough for nobunaga to say he won it's that long just at least that long and you can then you can pass away with a smile on your face because that would be so cute and, oh god the feels <laughs> but anyway yeah both of these performances are fantastic but um I know I have to give it up to Mark Stoddard. He's, I think he's, in the short amount of time that Hirate was in the show, uh, he easily became one of my favorite characters. I was gonna say, it could be worse. Your dad could be, literally, your dad could literally be breaking boss from Cashern. Oh, oh God. Ooh. Yeah, that is false Lavens. Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> yeah. I forgot. His dad was, his dad, his dad, his dad just fucked off to go, to go follow Eric Hale around. <laughs> Son, I'm dying. Long? Dad, what are you going to do in your next life? I'm going to go fuck with Eric Vale. <laughs> Dad, what's an Eric Vale? I don't know, son, son but, but I'm, I'm going to find out. out. 
<laughs> anyway, I'm done. Um, so I'll also start with uh, Michael Salazar-Sauk again. Uh, weirdly, I didn't have any notes for him because I didn't really have any time for that. Uh, but I, uh, but I definitely enjoyed him. Like, it, like everyone else has been saying, it is, it is a very interesting role for Michael Salazar. I definitely haven't seen him play this kind of good guy before. Well, you know, for as much as a good guy, someone I lied to, you know, somebody who's going to grow up to be kind of one of the most infamous warlords in Japan can be, but, you know, it, it is what it is. As I, and I, okay, and I definitely like the way Mike has been playing him. As I, and where, where he sounds shady, and you kind of can't tell, and it kind of seems like you can't tell what his intentions are, but so far he's been helping Nobunaga out. You know, and, and just doing a little thing for him here and there, and kind of being a good advisor for him. As I, I especially liked his, like that bit in episode one, where like as I, uh, where like Nobunaga tries to go help his friend, he gets knocked out, and then he wakes up and talk again, and talk again, kind of has to explain to him why he wasn't allowed to go help his friend, and I thought that whole bit of political maneuvering was very interesting. And it just kind of helped to give me an immediate idea of where this guy's role is in Nobunaga's life, and Mike does a really good job of him. And definitely very interested in seeing where this character will go and uh, what else he gets to do later on. Uh, as for Mark Sardis here today, uh, this was definitely a very interesting role for interesting role here. Mark Sardis is definitely uh, pretty much synonymous with playing season veterans at this point. And while he does get typecast as that kind of character a lot, he's also very good at that sort of character, so it balances out. Uh, Hirate is definitely not too different from the kind of character he normally does. And among Nobunaka's various retainers, he definitely stands out as being the most distinguished and respected in his position. And Mark Sardis' tone definitely carries across all the confidence and wisdom that would kind of naturally come with that. And on the first few episodes, you know, he just kind of mostly hangs out in the background being very supportive of Nobunaka or, you know, dealing with all the other retainers. Uh, he does come into the spotlight in episode 4 where uh, Nobunaga's other retainers consider asking him when he saddles them with the task of acquiring 500 muskets. Uh, while, Hirate, sorry, while Hirate remains firmly dedicated to him and believes it's his duty to carry it out even if it does sound pretty absurd. As I added whole unwavering sense of loyalty really shines through in Mark's performance. And uh, he make, he helps to make it clear that while part of Hirate's loyalty to Noble Daka is because of how loyal he was to his father Nobuhide, uh, it's also clear that he is very fond of Nobunaga personally, that he does see his potential. And it does make his eventual demise pretty heartbreaking. And while I didn't like cry when he died, Mark's delivery when Hirate was like passing on his final words to Nobunaga was definitely a pretty strong moment for me. And definitely one of the strongest moments in this dub. And I'm really glad that Mark just brought a really solid performance to this because Hirate was mostly a side character and it's gonna be a very folded performance, but I thought he did a really great job here. I did a lot to make Hirate feel very memorable to me, so great job. I'm done. I'm just very happy that, like, I. This is my own crowning achievement. I got some girl on the Funimation Discord to watch MDZS and now she's hooked. Um, I did it, fam. Anyway, um, <clears throat> I was surprised that Micah Solasad was talk again. This is not a character that I would normally associate him being. Um, this, I was very surprised that he is this kind of like slimy, shady Buddhist priest. 
And, like, I, I vividly remember in episode one being like, you motherfucker, you sold out these goddamn kids, how dare you? It's like, nope, he's on our side. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Um, so I think Micah does a really good job of, play, of playing that fine line between being a slime ball and being... Being just the whole... <laughs> we just need to line our coffers type of deal. He is like I think that's another thing where um where he shows up to talk to Nobu to Nobuhiko, not Nobuhiko, uh Nobukatsu, and uh Chris Rager's like, what are you doing in here? You're supposed to. It's like, oh, we're just I. It's just Buddha's birthday. And I'm trying to get some coin. He's like, get the hell out of here. So, but he hasn't shown up again since. So I'm kind of sad. Because I, I genuinely enjoyed him as a character, and he, Micah Solosad's performance is very much not something I normally expect Micah Solosad doing unless he's playing a bad guy. And this guy is kind of in that gray area. But Mark Stoddard puts so much heart, heart in, and love into his performance as um, Hirate, who you could sense the warm, jovial grandpa, as well as the absolutely shit-pantsingly terrifying aspects of him. Like, where, um, where, um, they're all like, oh yeah, this guy ain't shit. And he's like, well then, you want to fucking fight me? Wanna go, mate? Wanna go, mate? <laughs> Let's go, mate. Where, where he literally just opens the door on these guys all shit-talking Nobunaga. And he's like, if you're gonna leave, then get out. I also like how he's always the first person to be like, well, if you're gonna talk shit, it's like, well, if you think Nobunaga's a bad, a bad, um, a bad leader, he's only as good as his retainers. <laughs> the sunglasses descend and the motherfucking G music comes on behind Hirote. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> Deal with it. But Mark plays him so all across the board as, like, jovial grandpa, uh, like, retainer warlord and just a guy proud of his son. Because, like, when he's dying, I think it's like, I want this moment to be the springboard to your uh, ascending to greatness as he's passing on. And just the way that he does that speech is just like, you're like, Hirate, you gotta wake up. Like, I was expecting Nobunaga to go full baby Simba. Oh my god. Where he's like, Dad? And he's pushing on him. Aww. So I thought Mark did a fantastic job. It's it's one of my one of the secondary performances I like a lot in this show and and yeah. So are we good to move on from there? Yeah. Yep. Alright, yeah. so let's talk about um let's talk about two of Nobunaga's closest allies, his wife and his idiot. <laughs> um <laughs> Oh yay. <laughs> This Kicho one. is uh, Kicho is Nobunaga's wife. She is the daughter of Saito Dozan, who is of another... I forget what the area is called. The Mito. I think the Mito family. Um, who essentially gets married to her in a political marriage. He thinks that she's going to kill him. Um, he thinks that she's going to kill him. And he's absolutely right, by the way. She was going to kill him. She's going to kill him and, and run back home. Um, but the two end up having a genuine love between each other. And she's also a ninja. And it's awesome. Yeah, and uh, uh, she's also the narrator. 
Yes, she's also the narrator. Also, they they also do have a genuine love of each other, and it's some of the sweetest dialogue in the show between them. Uh, Toshi, or Mirae, uh, Marea Toshi, is the fourth son of the Marea family. He was known as, I think, Inochi? Uh, I think it was Inochi. Or... Yeah, he was known as Inochi. He essentially was this obnoxious small child who uh, kept demanding that Nobunaga hire him, and eventually he became a page and one of his most trusted allies. Uh, Toshi's general trait is that he's dumb as a sack of rocks. Um, And that he is always yelling and screaming and kind of charges headfirst into battle. He's also my best boy. (laughs) He's also my favorite, Megan's favorite character. So, playing Kicho is Don M. Bennett, and playing Toshi is Derek Snow. Don M. Bennett, you'll know his characters such as Nagisa Araki in Hanabato, Satsuki in Konohana Kitan in Hotaru Maru in Tokunrambu Hanamaru. Uh, Derek Snow, you'll know his characters such as Danny in Angels of Death, Hermes in Kino's Journey to the Beautiful World, and Yagin Toshiro in Tokunrambu Hanamaru. So, uh, Ruta Justice, start off. Alright, so... Derek Snow as uh, Toshie. Precious cinnamon roll. Too precious for this world. Like, <laughs> oh my god. And remember what I said earlier about the um, stilted dialogue versus sort of a couple of characters that sort of speak a little more freely like a commoner? Um, mm-hmm. Toshie happens to be one of those characters who acts as sort of the... He speaks a little more simply than the than the nobles of the, uh, of the Oda household. But, um... He's very blunt, first and foremost. Like, hilariously blunt. Also, I don't know if anybody else noticed, but did... Did they give him, like, a very slight southern or country accent I think that's just how Derek Snow talks okay. yeah I think that's how because I think that added a little bit of I actually think it helped the character quite a bit because I if I recall correctly he he is essentially a commoner right I believe so yeah I believe so I believe so yeah okay yeah it just sort of adds this little a little subtle layer of country bumpkin that given the fact that Toshie is is sort of this um, he's sort of portrayed in the show as like a fish out of water and I I think that really kind of helped a little bit um, I, I also there was one scene I really liked in um, in one of the first couple of episodes. Um, he sent a spy on um, on Hirate by some of the other members of the household because uh, he's being just a little too loyal to Nobunaga. So he's going through his stuff and he's stopped and he's asked what he's doing and he's just like, yeah. How is... Uh, how does this guy have all this fan- all these fancy tea sets if he's, you know, just some retainer? And um, I I want to say it was Ohana he was talking to. 
Yes. Yeah, was. Where she was just like, oh, yeah, that's because he earned those for his distinguished service. And then he's just like, oh, 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 I'm sorry. It changes his tune, like, on a dime, and I thought that was, like, hilarious. And, um, I really like how, um, how Don Bennett played Kicho, like, really stoically in the first couple of episodes you see her, and then, like, when she... Like, a moment after she basically tells Nobunaga, yeah, I'm basically here to kill you, and they just sort of actually fall in love after he, like, shows her this this tree grove that he would rather die in than in the palace grounds. And, um, like, she becomes fiercely loyal to him. Like, I, I love how she sort of plays the the in-between of doting wife and stoic fighter. Especially in the later episodes where she actually has to go into ninja mode and, like, actually bust a couple skulls. Which I thought was really cool. So, thumbs up all around. Really great, solid performances. Yeah. <sighs> Ooh, where do I want to start on this one? Um, you know, I'm gonna start with Kicho uh, and Miss Don Bennett because Kicho is definitely a very graceful yet strong presence. Um, kind of a badass in a time period where you wouldn't expect female ninjas to pop out out of nowhere. Um, and I just love I, I love Dawn. She's this very regal, graceful, mature woman. And what's also great about it is are are those insecurities that she has about her relationship. Um, because she wants to, she does want to protect Nobunaga, um, but she, there, she does have her own insecurities and doubts because she's, throughout the course of the show so far, she's been seen as kind of complacent with her current lifestyle and her current situation. Um, and what in her um it's her sister-in-law i think they call her right who uh mallory rodek's character oh uh it's basically like okay it's not her sister-in-law basically they're like sworn sisters yeah they're not actual sisters but they're basically were raised to be i think like the way that they explained it in the show was that everybody who was trained in the ninja thing was instructed to call um sozin their f i think his name is sozin uh, I'm sorry, I keep forgetting. Uh, yeah, I, I, I know like, there was a character named uh, Dosan. Oh, Dosan. Saito Dosan. They were expect. They were all made to call him father so that they would be eternally loyal to him. Right. Okay. But um, Mallory's character on um, the few times where she visited um Kicho, she would also kind of remind her like, hey you are becoming very complacent. Like, you can't do anything. And then all of a sudden, Keisha's like, shit! And she kind of just has to try and get her groove back, in a sense. Um, and it's a very interesting performance. And I also like... I do like the narrator um, tone of voice, too. Because clearly it is Keisha telling the story about her husband. Um, but it's also a very... It's not... Whimsical's not the right word, but it does kind of have his air of 
fanciful, like broad storytelling without over exaggerating it. I enjoy it very well. Uh, Derek Snow. <laughs> oh God. Uh, I love Derek Snow. This season has me appreciate Derek Snow on a whole new level. <laughs> this is, like, honestly, this is the fucking season of Derek Snow, guys. This Pretty is much. Derek Snow's, like, highlight. It really is. Like, we're going to be talking about the show where, the show later. Uh, I'm not going to say what it is, but he has his first lead this season. Like, ever. Everyone, so okay, great. let's not beat it. Guys, let's just not beat around the bush. Everybody knows what it is at this point. So. We all know it's Fire Force. Yeah, I mean, why we get rid of us? It's literally on TV. He, yeah, you're right. Like, like, yeah, he's yeah, he's in he's he's in this as a pretty prominent character. He's obviously he's the lead in Fire Force. Um, I th think he's in a couple other shows. He might be. He's um he's in On Stars, right? Yes, he showed up once in On Stars. <laughs> he showed up once, and I immediately knew who the fuck he was. But yeah, I was like, there's Derek's character. It's like it's great that now, cause um, cause Derek Snow has been becoming more prominent in in recent years, but now this is the season. I for had Derek. Actually, and it's okay, great. when Derek got announced for Fire Force, everybody's like, "Who's this new actor, Derek Snow?" I'm like, no, Derek Snow has been around for a while. Shut up. Like, like these, like a bunch of people, are like, "Who's this?" And then the rest of us here at Dub Tug are like, "Hell yeah!" yeah. <laughs> like, hell everybody, yeah, Derek every Snow. Everybody else at Dub Talk just immediately looks around for Pomeranians in their peripherals. <laughs> yes! Pomeranian choir. Pomeranians? Pomeranians uh, are closer than- Pomeranians may appear in your- Pomeranians in your rear view are closer than they appear. God damn it. <laughs> no, but, um... Derek, I love Derek Snow. He's grown on me so much as an actor, and this season definitely like proves it for me. If Doctor Danny from Angels of Death is like the slow ascent to a high point, now we're here <laughs> with Kochuki and Fire Force. Like holy shit. Um, but yeah, god damn it, his character is a goober. Like he's such an idiot. <laughs> He's like Toshi is definitely very a very passionate character, um, very strong-willed and gung-ho, and he's very devoted and loyal, which is great. Um, that comes through very well. <laughs> Babby Toshi, <laughs> Babby Toshi's a moron. He may be and an I idiot, but he's our idiot. God damn it, our he's idiot, our idiot. God damn it. Um, no, but not because that me. That kid's an idiot. Yeah, but he's our idiot. He's my idiot. <laughs> I love him so much. Um, but yeah, like, little preteen Babby Toshis just, like, trying, like, can I help in the kitchen? I'll be a poison taster. I'll help with the horses. And him just fucking everything up is the greatest thing. My absolute favorite moment in that entire thing is, oh, look, Nobunaga, he's dressing like you. Oh, God, I look like that. <laughs> Wait, that's what I look like? Yup. <laughs> then he dresses oh. the horse all extravagant, like, what the fuck are you doing, child? But, um... Yeah, for for all of the, because Toshi's definitely very very much a comedic character to an extent. He's very heavily a comedic character, but even with that, bearing that in mind, he does again. He has like this devotion and this loyalty and this passion to him um, that he just wants to serve Nobunaga. He wants what's best for him. He wants to do what he can to make sure he is happy and everything is perfectly fine. Um, 
it's similar to it's similar to the devotion and passion that Suki Noki has, who we're going to talk about. I think is it next? Yes, we are. Um, but it's very much more outwardly present, where Suki Noki doesn't really outwardly show it. Um, he Suki Noki shows it with his words. Um, meanwhile, Toshi just shows it with his actions. <laughs> like it's two different kinds of. Um, showing like two different kinds of presenting this devotion and this loyalty to um their their um their lord and it actually works very very well uh and Derek is just too fucking adorable i love it <laughs> um yeah i know I, I know i said mark's daughter was one of my favorites in the show i think Derek like it was nobunaga for a while who was my favorite then Derek Snow jumps in and runs off with it. <laughs> so I think Derek Snow's probably my favorite from the show right now. Um, that could always change, but he's very, very enjoyable. Him and um, Don is Kicho. They're very adorable and fun. I'm done. Uh, okay, so I will start with Derek Snow with Toshi. Uh, Toshi has been a very fun character so far. Okay, I like the when we were first introduced to him. He's kind of he's kind of very much a dork, and okay, and Derek's role very much plays him as like a very dorky goofball, constantly getting into trouble. And I thought a lot of his early, I thought a lot of his early antics were pretty funny, and especially a lot of his early interaction with Nobunaga. He's like, "Who's this kid?" And and I definitely got a pretty good kick out of that. Okay, and then we do gradually see him grow up, and well, you know he. Okay, and while there's not like, you know, like a really big vocal distinction between Kid Toshi and older Toshi. He okay he does sound he does sound a little more mature, maybe a little bit more like okay, you can kinda of see how he became a retainer. <clears throat> okay, and uh, Eddie's very Eddie's very much clearly a warrior in his own right, even if he still kinda of fumbles up every now and then. Okay, uh, but the thing that okay, but the thing that definitely says through the most intense performance is that how is that you can definitely sense his loyalty to Nobunaga, and okay, and very much so. Well, well, he's not, well, he's obviously not the most loyal of his retainers, but he's definitely up there. And I feel like Derek Snow gets that across really well, and it's a really fun performance. Um, as for okay, as for Don Bennett, I have a quite a bit more to say about her. God, let me pull up my notes. It's a bit fun. Sorry. It's okay. 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 Alright, there we go. Okay, so... Okay, so Don Bennett is somebody who's usually impressed me with her work. And I definitely think she brought out one of my favorite performances from this time. Uh, for the moment, we're introducing Kito. He's pretty much an immediately interesting character. As he has to play the role of both a doting wife, while also having been brought up as a ninja. And also, you know, being no stranger to assassinations. And Don plays those aspects very well, and while there is, you know, like a very clear vocal distinction between her as a wife and her as a ninja, her tone changes up enough that you can kind of tell whenever she's switching gears. And I also like that her voice just has a very regal quality to it that helps to add a little bit of flavor to some of the show's political maneuvering. And I think that of the main, uh, the main three characters, he kind of does the best in that area. And it, but of course, while Kito was originally married Nobunaga with the intent of killing him, uh, she does eventually, okay, she does eventually kind of, well, I wouldn't say manipulate him, but she does just kind of eventually decide to stay with him. And in the process, eventually cuts and fall for him. 
And as he spends more time with him, you see that's kind of big the fear that he's really losing her as the warrior. And Dom gets across his moments of vulnerability very well. And I especially like her moments where she attempts to express her concerns to Sudayoki. Especially in, I think it was episode 7 or 8 where that happens. And how she kind of envies his level of devotion towards Nobunaga. And I'm definitely very interested in seeing where Kicha's arc is headed, especially since I don't really know much about her from what I know of Sengoku era history. And out of the main trio, I have to say the Dawn's performance is easily my favorite. And I also really dig her as a narrator, so definitely big thumbs up. I'm done. Alright, so I absolutely love Derek Snow as Toshi because he is such a goofball and it's so there in his performance. He is such a lovable character. Like, I think the other thing that really gets me is that you can absolutely hear how bullheaded he is. He is clearly the youngest member of this party and he is very much a... I'm gonna get them! How dare those traitors, like... He is, there's a level of childishness in his performance that I think he gets across very well, even if he is an adult. Um, I think that his voice has the right level of annoying charm to it as baby Toshi. Um, and as an adult, he's definitely got the, the good vanilla dumb boy voice. So I think that he balances that really well. And then Don as Kicho has such a maturity to her voice that... I'm not always 100% used to Dawn being. Um, it was... T I want to tell a really, really funny story about this, but it involves spoiling who Nobunaga is. So I don't want to say it until we get to Nobunaga. Oh, God. Um, but she is... She is a highlight in this show. She is... Uh, you can tell there's a difference between when she's younger and when she's older... When she has these very romantic moments with uh, Nobunaga, because um, it just yeah. And then one of my other favorite scenes with her is when um, she is talking about the peacock kimono. Mm. Mm, yep. So I think that she does such a good job and you guys have said a lot of it she has that vulnerability and she has those doubts in her voice with her performance um where she's vulnerable where she's got these doubts um where she's a child and stuff like she is so grounded as a performance in this it's hard to explain without like just seeing it uh so yeah props to dawn are we good to move on to <laughs> Oh boy, here we go. Oh, uh, are we ready to punt someone? Let's into the talk sun? about the right hand. <laughs> Let's talk about the right hand man. The right hand, right hand men of both the Nobu, the the Oda brothers. We have Suzuki, who is a retainer to Oda Nobukatsu, who is a manipulative snake who gets. He is the one who orchestrates. Uh, uh, Hidetaka's death in order to break the brotherly bonds between Nobukatsu and Nobuhiko. He speaks. We should punt him um, the sun. He's got a silver tongue. He does, and he's also a ruthless warrior who's not beyond telling people to, you know, rape, pillage, and burn. Um, he's also probably fucking Nobukatsu. 
the show heavily implies that he is in a gay lover relationship with him. Uh, yep. You think I'm lying? I'm not. And then there's Sunoki. There is no hetero, hetero explanation, explanation for that. For some of the dialogue uh, no. that comes out of his, his mouth. mouth. Or his actions. Or his, or his actions. actions in certain scenes. Um, Sunoki is Nobunaga's number one best friend. He has been with him since childhood. He is Nobunaga's blunt mother. <laughs> um, he is his best friend, his defender, his number one, his number one warrior. So, playing Suzuki is J. Michael Tatum. Playing Sunoki is Christopher Waycamp. J. Michael Tatum, you know those characters such as Shiro in Assassination Classroom, Kiji Mitsuba in Nambaka in Soza Simonji in Tokunrabu Hanamaru. Christopher Waycamp, you'll know those characters such as Sieghart Sieg Mueller in He's Dead of the Last Witch, Tenkakumo in Laughing Under the Clouds, and he's a Maru in Zoku Token Zoku Token Rambu Hanamaru. Now, before I start, if you haven't noticed, I've been bringing up Token Rambu Hanamaru, you know, everyone's favorite show about Japanese swords. Uh, so I actually asked a friend of mine who I know on who I've met online, uh, who we will lovingly refer to her as Mao. Uh, Mao is actually a anthropologist. I am not lying. I am friends with an anthropologist. She also really likes Token Rambu and has, is going for her PhD. So I had to ask her, hey, which of the swords were owned by Oda Nobunaga? And she said, Hasabe, Soza, Yagen, and Fudo. At least three of these actors are somewhere in this dub. And we have talked about two of them tonight. Uh, and I would also like to point out that Suzuki does not like Nobunaga. Do you want to guess which sword fucking hates Nobunaga? <laughs> it's, oh, yeah. oh my god. It's Soza. <laughs> Soza. I forgot Nobunaga. And I asked her why, because it has been a little bit of a while. Um, so I had asked her. Um, Soza. Uh, I said, hilariously, one of the guys uh, super against Nobunaga is Soza's actor. And she said, that's not surprising. Soza, uh, Soza was altered from his original straight as a treasure for war by Nobunaga. And if you have to ask, Yagen was apparently the Tonto that he used to kill himself. Oh. Uh, again, a lot, I asked her, oh, I tried wow. to ask her a little bit more, but she said, oh, there are other swords that he potentially could have owned, which were, uh, Munechka the Kuninaga and the Shokodaikari, but it's hard to tell in pinpoint, and they believe that is to be legend. So, that is what I got from her. Uh, but yeah, so... <laughs> Let the punting begin! Oh. Roots of Justice. <laughs> this isn't the fuckboy derby. We just want to punt this man into the sun. Uh... Sorry, I wasn't paying attention for a sec. Um, have we already done the actors and everything? Yes. Okay. Yes. So it is basically my turn yes. now to, to speak. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. So uh, Christopher Wakecamp as uh, Suenoki. I. I mean, it's a stoic Christopher Wakecamp role. Like, how can I complain about that? It's. Like it's it's basically like a more 
a little more, a bit more of an upbeat-ish Aizawa, which, you know, there's, there's nothing really to complain about. I, I like the, um, I like performances Chris Waycamp does. Um, Joker game in particular. Actually, that one a bit comes to mind a bit more now that I think about it. But, um, I, I like how he plays him a bit stoic. I, uh, strongly loyal to Nobunaga. And, um, unfortunately, like, that's basically about it to the character he plays. But, you know, you do what you can with the... You know, you, you do what you can with what you're given, so... And I think he does a really good job. So, uh... Suzuki. J. Michael Tatum. Fundament of the sun. <laughs> Go! But yeah, um... I like J. Michael Tatum villains. Like, I... I like it when he plays Cinnamon Bun characters, but in particular, I like his villains. Because he is able to play them with such a level of slime and grease. Like, the villains he gets to play worm themselves into the course of the show and strangle it from within and I I just love smarmy types like that and he he gets a lot of great little one-off moments with uh, Nobukatsu and his mother and his attendants like it's clear that no one around him except for Nobukatsu really trusts him but he brings results and I, I love characters like that. So, both Chris Waycamp and J. Michael Tatum did really great jobs as their attendants. Uh, yeah. Not really much here, I, I have to say, but, like, J. Michael Tatum, really great at playing villains. I hope, I hope he gets more, more roles like this in the future. Steph. Sorry, one second. Um, okay. <sighs> I'll make this very easy. Easy. So, one of the highest compliments I can give to someone is if I want to punch your character into the sun. <laughs> because they are a terrible piece of shit person. Thank you, J. Michael Tatum. I want to punch your character into the sun. <laughs> Like, so bad. He is... Oh, God. Like, <laughs> Suzuki is very cunning and conniving and just so slimy and devious. And you can... You very much can tell like he had these ill intentions from the start. from the Probably from the day that he met um, Nobukatsu. Um, it's funny because I think... Su Suzu uh, yeah. Suzuki and um, Toshi basically met their lords around the same time. They started working for the their lords around the same time, if I'm correct. Um, 
at least in this canon timeline anyway. Um, but Suzuki, he's just very manipulative. He's willing to do whatever it takes to get what he wants. To the point of clearly starting a relationship with Nobukatsu, this poor innocent child. <laughs> Good lord. Um, and holy crap, Tatum just plays it just... Oh, it's so, so delicious, so evil. Oh, I love every second of it. Um, and again, the highest compliment I can give to someone playing a villain is I want to punt this person into the sun. Because they do it so convincingly well, I want them dead. <laughs> That's basically the best way I can describe it. And Tatum is fantastic. Um, and yeah, Tatum Tatum plays some villain roles on occasion, but not often enough. I want to hear Tatum as more villains because he's just having so much fun. You can tell he's having so much fun being this conniving little shit. Um, as for Christopher Wakeham as Suinoki, um, kind of how I was explaining Wakeham's character um, when talking about Derek Snow as Toshi, because um, Wakeham is just as devoted, just as loyal um, of a retainer to Nobunaga as Toshi is. But how they present that loyalty and that devotion is two different ways. Um, Toshi's is through his actions, Sukinoki is through his words, nine times out of ten. Um, it's stated several times in the show so far that Sukinoki can just tell Nobunaga anything. Even be the most blunt thing in, in human history. And Nobunaga will just take it with stride. Like, even if it comes off as completely rude, by some standards, by the other retainers, like, Nobunaga trusts his judgment and his- trusts his judgment and he, to a point where he could just be- like, Tsukinoki could just be straightforward with him, and it doesn't matter. And Wakeham does that very, very well. Um, he- it's very- it's very much more of a- Kind of a stoic performance. I don't want to say regal because it's not really of, of nobility in a sense, but it's very stoic. He's very, he does have a commanding presence when he's in the room and he's able to, he's able to rein in Nobunaga quite a bit when Nobunaga's an idiot, um, especially very early on, which by the way, Babi Tsukinoki, side note, I didn't know that Waycamp could magically pull off a younger Oh, I've, I've heard Wakeham push himself pretty high before, so... Well, it, this didn't seem like it was pushing it too yeah. far, honestly, to me. Like, Tsukinoki, when we first meet him, is at least, like, probably pre-teens yes. as well. Him and Nobunaga. Um, while... While the tone of voice from Nobunaga, um, that actor's natural range can kind of go go into that range a bit more easily, but that's mostly because of her natural voice anyway. Way Camp is a little bit of a tougher story, um, but I think he actually pulls off the younger version of Tsukinoki rather well, in my opinion. Um, as far as I know, this is the first time I've ever heard him go like straight younger voice. Um, but both of these performances, I really enjoyed them. They are t definitely two different kinds, two different sides of the same coin in its own way. Um, I want to punt Tatum into the sun. Thank you for that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, these these two are great performances, and rightfully and naturally so. I enjoyed them very much. Uh, Jet. Oh. Uh, yeah, okay, sorry. I did that for a second. I'm, That's okay. I'm I just trying to coordinate with Andrew for tomorrow. Oh, yeah, you're going to see Promare. Yeah. 
Okay, so I'll actually start with Sudeoki. Um, so I'm still not as good as immediately recognizing Chris Wake Up as I probably should be at this point. Uh, but I still enjoy him in each new thing I hear him in, and I definitely thought he did a, he did a very solid job here. Uh, I felt like he was kind of straining his voice maybe a little bit with the younger version of Sudoyoki, and it was a little distracting at times for me. Uh, but as a adult version of the character, he sounded very on point, and I definitely enjoyed the mix of conviction and kind of supportive in his tone. Uh, Sudoyoki is very clearly dedicated to his master, which, you know, going by the visuals in the ending song is obviously supposed to be a pretty big marketing point for the show. Wink, wink, nudge. Uh, <laughs> And uh, Chris Wakeup gets that dedication and respect across pretty well. Uh, but Sudioki also uh, very clearly wants what's best for Dominoc, meaning that he isn't afraid to butt heads with him sometimes. And uh, Christopher is great at getting across folks a really good dry retort when it comes to some of Dominoc's antics. As well as, you know, it's just some straight up anger whenever Sudioki feels like Dominoc isn't thinking things through always. I uh, think this definitely comes off the clearance in episode 3, where the two of them kind of get into a heated argument because Nobunaka doesn't want to uh, admit to himself that any of his retainers can be capable of treason. And I just like how well Sudioki just kind of chastised him for being a little bit too naive. And I liked how blunt Chris's delivery was in that moment. I could get to tell even though he was being harsh, it was also coming from a place of genuine concern. And, I mean, I'll admit that I've liked the three main characters, Sudoyoki kind of interests me the least, but... And it doesn't kind of help that my brain keeps confusing him with Akechi Mitsuhide because that's the only one of Nobunaga's other retainers from history who I know. And uh, if you don't remember, if you don't know who Akechi Mitsuhide is, he's the one who eventually betrays Nobunaga some, at some point in the future. Uh, anyway... Okay, anyway, that bit of rambling aside, I think Christopher Wake did a really good job here since my one nitpick with him is Ken Sudioki. And I think he did a very solid job here. Okay, and as for J. Michael Tatum, uh, he has a pretty good reputation doing villain roles, even if he doesn't do them that often. But it's been a little while since he played what I really want to punch into the sun. Okay, well, I mean, maybe I can... <laughs> We I mean, all want to put them in the sun, it's great. Yeah, I mean, like, well, maybe I can look it, but I'm, like, really, really far behind in the ferret hill up right now, so I don't know how he's doing that. Uh, anyway, uh, it doesn't help that Suzuki is kind of the villain that gets under my skin the most. Uh, the manipulator who turns people against each other. Uh, seeing that sort of thing play out always gets to me. And seeing Tatum sow the seeds of discords behind the scenes as he turns Nobukatsu against Nobunaga uh, was pretty intense. It's essentially how he maintains a bit of politeness around his lord while also being pretty condescending towards him behind his back. And Jay Michael Tatum pulls off those moments really flawlessly. At the same time, though, while he is crude and manipulative, he is still dedicated towards Obikatsu in the sense that he does want to see him seize power. And he's fine with suggesting whatever cool or underhanded methods will help him get there the fastest. Since it is why there isn't a need for a ruler to worry about honor and justice and all those things when it comes to getting what they want. And Jay Michael Tatum gets Suzuki's pragmatic nature across really well, as well as he does the manipulation. And while it makes this guy feel like a total slimeball, he's also one that I can at least understand maybe slightly. I feel like only Megan would get this because I think you've said you've read some of the novels, but... Suzuki actually reminds me a little bit of Von Oberside for what the Galactic Heroes. I haven't read the novels yet. I've been meaning to. Who does he ah, remind okay. you of? 
Ah, Von Ober's died. Isn't that the character Tatum plays in Legend of the Galactic Heroes? Uh, so, uh yeah, but like he hasn't gotten to do. That's hysterical. I love how you're comparing him to another character that he plays. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Nice. Uh, Okay, so so basically Von Overside is like another character who's an advisor that's very kind of clearly in this for their own gain. It is is more than willing to digest the things that no one else wants to because they want to maintain appearances. But even so, he's still just loyal enough to the cause that you can't ever really doubt his intentions. And you also can't really deny that he brings results and occasionally has a point. And, uh, since Dave, and of course, since we established, Dave Michael Tatum does play Overstein. It does make me pretty excited to see what he'll do with the character of Funimation ever gets to know that sequel season because he he does some pretty messed up stuff there in the second novel. Yeah, I'm like very, and, very convinced that he is Paul Von Overstein, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but as far as Suzuki goes, he's doing a really great job of him, and even if he hasn't been around long, it's already one of my favorite performances in this dub, so good job. Uh, Yay. Hold on, I'm looking this up to dub just to, like, make sure that it is him? Oh, okay, yeah, it is him. I literally just said it's him. I do remember that. Yeah, I was like, I very, very much remember that that's, that's the Junichi Suwabe character in the Japanese, too, so. Um... I think this is. I think uh, in this show, uh, Suzuki is Satoshi Hino. So, um, no. So let's get Sunoshi, uh, Sunoki out of the way. I really like Wake Up as Sunoki. Um, I think he. I do think younger Sunoki is a little bit pushing it sometimes, but uh, ostensibly the one, the only scene that I felt like he was pushing it in was when uh, Nobunaga has to take on one of the thirty to fifty feral hogs. Uh, that has approached their <laughs> has approached their castle within three to five minutes, and he has this great line to Nobunaga, which is, "You can't be a coward. You got to stand up to it." But it's a wild hog. I'm gonna take it out, <laughs> and he's got like a fucking stick. Um, clearly, Sunoshi was raised by Florida man. Uh, Sunoki was raised by Florida man. Um, but I think Wake Hip has this way of being. Of, I think you can hear him age up the character with his performance. Uh, he does sound as he's getting older uh, through it. I think some of the some of the fun moments of the show are when uh, Sunoki and Nobunaga get to bicker like an old married couple. Also, be just saying, Kicho Sunoki X No uh, Kicho Sunoki and Nobunaga OT three. Um, let it happen. Um. <laughs> But it, it's really, it, this is, like, very much, to me, this sounds like uh, he's a Maru with less of a less of a crybaby streak to me. This is very much that range to me. Uh, I think that he does a good job getting uh, the bluntness, especially, of Sunoki across. As well as a gentleness, because remember, uh, Sunoki is the person who really gets Hidetaka to open up. Uh, they had a genuine, like, kind yeah. of brother bond between them because they both enjoyed insects and... Uh, I think it hit him pretty hard and he's also kind of the big brother I think to uh, Toshi's kind of dumbass self uh, he is the he is the he is the straight man to Toshi's dumb shit but man I want to talk about Tatum as Suzuki who I Steph and I were trailing behind the boys when we watched and they were both to us yeah you're gonna hate Tatum's character and not, not the performance, uh, the yeah. character, because we are. Yep, yeah. the character. Ta- J. Michael Tatum is far from that. Uh, 
Jay Michael Tatum is a wonderful human being. This character is a piece of garbage. And this is, like Steph said, I think it is one of the highest compliments you can give is absolutely hating a character because the acting is so good. Tatum's acting in combination with how just the character is written is just fantastic. He plays the silver-tongued seducer. Um, Because, like I said... I, at least the way I read the show, Suno Suzuki is gay for Nobukatsu. And there is a tin, there is this somewhat jealousy of him. And I think to me, the really big establishing kind of moment of where you can see the silver and the snake in Suzuki is. Uh, Nobukatsu has just sent the letter about uh, his birth, uh, about Nobunaga's birthday, and they're standing out in the dark in the night, and he's got the ball, and he grabs him by the wrist and says, "Isn't it time for you to wake from these fleeting dreams?" And he kind of seizes him and pulls him close to him, which I think the episode cut right before they would have on screen kissed, um, but. I, I don't think that this is... I also don't think that this is the, the case of a character being a vindictive, manipulative seducer because the character is a homosexual. I think this is not this. This is a character who wants to see his lord take power, but he's going to th- do it through any means necessary where the other retainers are about keeping niceties and keeping the peace and doing this like a peaceful uprising. Uh, this is a man who is like, okay, no, that shit doesn't fucking fly in war. You're gonna kill, you're gonna maim, and I'm going to create a demon. I'm gonna back the, a demon lord, and this is how we're gonna do it. And he is made to eat crow in the, the battle between Nobukatsu and, and, and Nobunaga, where Nobunaga wins. And just the whole way that he is treating Nobukatsu, where I think he cares about him. But he also wants to use him to get something out of him, uh, which I think I'll talk about when I talk about my one of my favorite parts of Nobukatsu's performance uh, when we shift over there. Otherwise, like, holy shit, uh, a couple of us are going to get to see Tatum in person. And I'm just going to be like, yep. dude, you do a lot of really good work, but holy shit. Like, I don't think I've been this mad at a Tatum character since Shiro from Assassination Classroom. Like, I don't think I've been, like, this into a performance at, with him as a villain since that. And I think Shiro, him as Shiro from Assassination Classroom is an absolute vile scumbag piece of shit. So. So, yeah. Good job, Tatum. Um, like, I actually, I actually kind of have it up there as, like, one of my more favorite performances of this year, too. So, <laughs> Nice. So, are we ready to move on to our final group? Yeah. Yes. yes. Let's talk there. about the brothers Oda. We have Oda Nobukatsu, who is Nobunaga's younger brother, who at one point is late. I think, I believe he is the younger brother that accidentally gets him ratted out to the mom. Uh, yes, he is. Who then yeah. suddenly hits a growth spurt and becomes the lord, who inherits uh, that castle from his father, but not the clan leadership. 
He was a soft-spoken sweet boy who becomes manipulative, at, manipulated, and at the death of his brother Hidetaka, starts to become a vile monster bent on revenge who ends up uprising against Nobunaga only to be defeated. But instead of having Nobunaga having him both executed or committing seppuku, he is made to live. Oda Nobunaga is our titular character, famous Sengoku-era warlord, who in this show is a bit of a scatterbrained, kind of thought down upon, but his men love him, and he might be more than he seems. Um, so, playing Oda Nobukatsu is Stephen Fu, and playing Obu Nodanaga, Nobunaga is Damon Mills. Stephen Fu, you'll know his characters such as Genji in Kakariyo, Bed and Breakfast for Spirits, Auntie in SSSS Gridman, and Goto Toshiro in Token Rambo Hanamaru. Damon Mills, you'll know his characters such as Chikakudo in Kono Ototomare, Klaus Kimin in Space Battleship Yamato 2202, and Honobami Toshiro in Token Rambu Hanamaru. Alright, oh. Yeah, time for me to start, huh? Okay. Uh, so first and foremost, I am not used to hearing this range out of Stephen Fu. Like, particularly when we deal with, um, with older Nobukatsu, I'm actually not used to hearing Stephen Fu play an adult. Like, an actual... Like I, I'm assuming by the by the story arc, where they're where Nobukatsu and Nobunaga are feuding, they're they're in like their twenties, right? Probably. Yeah, because I'm like I'm used to hearing Stephen Fu as like Auntie or yeah, pretty much, pretty much Auntie. Because I like sadly I don't have a lot of time to watch a lot of anime anymore, so. Yeah, that's where I'd primarily know him. But I... I really like that he's sort of the... The doting brother for the first, like, six episodes. And then he's played like a fiddle. And, uh... Yeah, and then you get to sort of see the angry side of him. And... As, as I've said in the, in the Gridman episode, I really like it when... Uh, Stephen Fu gets to sort of be that sort of angry, growly character, and, yeah. So, um, Damon Mills as Nobunaga. I, like, I really like the fact that Damon Mills was more or less able to play the character through the various stages of his life as presented from... The, from the teenager who's collecting trinkets just because he can and working with, like, commoner kids to steal treasures from merchant vessels to, uh, to, like, actually having to grow up and become a warlord trying to unify a chunk of Japan to claim for his family and not only that, try to fend off advances from other members of his family to take over because apparently they think he's doing a bad job which he's not he's just being very eccentric about how he does it which brings me to another part of the performance of Damon Mills' Nobunaga that I really like his eccentricity uh 
he's a tinkerer. He is curious about the world and how it functions. Like, just watch him in the first couple of episodes trying to get a musket to work. And you'll see what I mean. He's... He's very hands-on with how he likes to learn as well, so... And his interactions with many of the other characters of the show are an absolute treat. In particular, uh, Toshie and, um, and Kicho. Because he... Like, I really love the initial story arc with him and Kicho, where he is just absolutely terrified of her until he's basically... He basically offers her his own head. And... Later they actually fall in love, so that doesn't end up being necessary, but, you know. As you do. Uh, oh, I'm getting rambly again, aren't I? Oh, it's okay, go ahead. No, you're good. That's cool. Um, overall, I really like both of the performances. Please hire Stephen Fu to do more adult characters, because I, I actually really like his more mature voice. But overall, thumbs up all around. Okay, the fun part. The moment we've all been waiting for. Ah, Damon and Steven. It's an interesting combination here. Um, I'm gonna start with Steven, I think. Um, Steven is Nobukatsu, especially starting out. Um, is a very kind and gentle soul. Um, he's very he's also very doting too to an extent because um, he he has strong familial bonds with his family especially his brother nobunaga and um it's just shown very very well but just as just as strong as a, of a connection that he has um that's shown very very well it's just as easily broken and that sh huge shift in character where he becomes all vengeful that's a clear transition if i had never seen one before um between like oh i need to help my brother he's my brother i love my brother to nobunaga you bastard <laughs> i gotta kill him now like he turns into the literal devil <laughs> and to an extent um and just it's it's essentially Nobukatsu's character is playing out like a tragedy, um, where he has, where he's essentially, right now, where we are in episode eight, he's, it's this fall from grace, like, he's being manipulated by Suzuki, um, very, very strongly now, because Suzuki has essentially, like, manipulated his feelings and intentions in multiple ways, and even killing, and getting his, um, younger brother Hidetaka killed in the process, um, in order, in order for that switch to be flipped. Um, so, he's very easy, so, uh, Nobukatsu is very easy to manipulate, and it's just very, very kind of heartbreaking in its own way to see Steven as Nobukatsu just start, like, falling from grace and just this decline, because at this point, He's using any means necessary. He like screw reputation now. Like it's all about taking down my older brother for the sake of everybody else. You know what I mean? So seeing that shift in character, while it's very very abrupt, given what we have and what we know about the character, it actually does work, I think work very well. Um, 
And it's just kind of sad to watch him just be all mad now. Because he was so adorable. He was just a kind, gentle soul. And I I loved it so much. Um, Damon as Nobunaga. Damon Mills, welcome to the long lines of actors voicing Nobunaga. Um, again, you joined the ranks of, what was it? Kent Williams, uh, Jade Saxton. Who was the other one again? Uh, Robert McCollum. Robert McCollum. Thank you, Robert McCollum. Just, oh, lordy. <laughs> I want to say um, it was Jay Hickman in Nobunaga the Fool. Let me look uh, that up. I, I'm trying to remember who was Nobunaga in Nobunaga Basara. Uh, you talk, I'll find it. Um, like, okay, no, like, no, I don't think it was Sam, maybe because Sam was in season two. Shut so. up and no, keep I talking, I'll, so I'll find it. Um... <laughs> Wait, was it John Sweezy? I think it, I we're going to figure Sweezy. it out. Um. Anyway, um, so Damon is very interesting because oh, speaking of actors having good years in terms of voice work, aside from Derek Snow, hello, Damon Mills. <laughs> Megan mentioned this before. and Now we can actually say it. This is like the fourth major or lead role that he's had this year. It was John um, Swayze. And it was Scott it was John Gibbs Swayze. as uh, Scott Gibbs. Oh, Nobunaga the Fool. You okay. Can just, yeah, I. You welcome to this long line of voice no, actors Nobunaga. voicing Oda Nobunaga. <laughs> but um, yeah. Um, for Damon, this is a good year for him because this is like the fourth major lead character uh, that he's voiced this year. Oh. So speaking of people having good years, um, and. I think it's well deserved. Like Damon is fantastic. I know. I know when we were first introduced to him back when we, uh, when Yuri on Ice was coming out. Looks like Yuri. Like, looks like Victor voices Yakov. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like we we have the voice act. We have the voice acting black magic for a reason, and basically he solidified it in a new way. <laughs> Like, it was the craziest thing in the world. But, like, it's also very good and interesting to see how he's grown and developed as a voice actor. To the point... <sighs> to the point where a lot of... Well, you, we still know him occasionally for some of those chameleon-like black magic moments. We more often now get to hear him in his natural range. And I really appreciate that. Because it shows... Like, you can do a bunch of different voices. You really can. And that's the talent right there. But, like, also being able to portray characters in your natural tone and just essentially show off your own acting chops in a different way with your natural tone of voice and you don't have to use, like, different voices. Um, that's also very impressive as well. So it's two different sides here. Um, and I think Damon portrays Nobunaga very well. He's very goofy. Uh, he's a goober in the beginning. I fucking love it <laughs> like are you gonna stop yawning we're in the home stretch stop it oh my nose like when the first episode came on and we saw the younger version of nobunaga um he was so fucking adorable and he's just he's so rambunctious and he's curious and he has a sense of naivete to him as well um that just kind of carries on through the show and as nobunaga grows up and then later on, we also have him being this, not this truly, like, whacked out leader, but he has some crazy mindsets on, on occasion. 
Like, he has a goddamn ostrich at one point. He wants to get, like, 500 goddamn muskets for this huge plan in terms of, like, shifting things out because reload at that time was just, like, so slow that you wouldn't have a lot of time to reload one single gun before you, your ass gets hit by an arrow or something. Um, he has these kind of... These kind of these crazy ploys that a lot of people think um won't work but he's actually very smart he's a very intelligent person um there's oda nobunaga um considering this is the show of, of no oda nobunaga that is about oda nobunaga while it's again it's not maybe historically accurate for, for all intents and purposes uh to or to an extent <sighs> for all intents and purposes it's showing, it's giving us a rather complex Oda Nobunaga, uh, more so than we probably deserve. Uh, so having those little quirks and bits of his personality to show the complexity, Damon does that very, very well. Uh, so for sure, kudos to Damon on um, Oda Nobunaga. Definitely a fun, fun performance. One of my favorites of the show. Um, and kudos to Steven Fu as Nubukatsu. Oh, you poor... Poor child. <laughs> you poor, sweet, innocent child. Uh, come back to us, Nobukatsu. Oh, Nobukatsu is to totally light. gonna fucking die. I'm calling it. I'm gonna be so mad, but he's gonna he's die. Done. He's gonna die. Like, yeah. Yeah, see, I would, tr see, I would try to recall what his story is for about the Nobunaga thing, but I think they ever really touched on him that much, so I have no idea. Yeah, Nobukatsu is one of the characters, like, whenever Oda Nobunaga comes up, you don't really have him as a character, I don't think. Uh, I mean, I mean, I, like, he showed up in other Nobunaga things, but he just wasn't, like, very important, so... Right, I guess, yeah. So I guess it just really is, like, very early in Nobunaga's history. Pretty much this is the first time Nobukatsu is suddenly an important figure. Essentially. But, um, yeah, like, both these performances are a lot of fun. Um, and I really, I, re I honestly really like the casting, so kudos to Jerry on the casting on this one, because it's very mm -hmm. interesting to see as well. I'm done. Okay, um, so I'll start with Nobukatsu first, of course. I'm so not as familiar with Seven Fu as I'd like to be since uh, Anthe for Restless Grid Man is still the thing I kind of generally associate him with. Uh, but I really liked him here and I found Nobukatsu as a character to be pretty fascinating. Uh, in the earliest parts of the show, we mostly just kind of see him as Nobunaga's soft-spoken younger brother, and while he didn't really leave like a very being impressed on me in those first few episodes, I saw that his performance was pretty smooth. And given his heritage, I liked that he had a very regal tone to his voice, much more so than Nobunaga does. And it kind of helps you draw out the difference in their temperaments. Uh, Nobukatsu is definitely a lot more reserved and measured than his older brother. And it makes a lot of their earlier interactions more interesting to watch and to kind of see them bounce off each other. But of course, what makes both Nobukatsu and Seven's performance as a very interesting is the arc he goes through over the course of the show. As while he was originally very close to his brother, time and politics kind of forced the two to have to distance each other. And even though, okay, and even though neither one really kind of wants to, and Stefan in particular does a really great job getting across how much Nobukatsu wanted to see his older brother again and how much it's kind of hurt to be separated from him. And the painted in his voice during one of those scenes really got to me. I mean, and this, of course, makes things all the more tragic when Nobukatsu is manipulated into turning on Nobunaka. And Stefan Fu is even more impressive getting across both the pain of Nobunaka's supposed betrayal and Nobukatsu's descent into ruthlessness. 
And what Nobu is Katsu decides to pretty much embrace his dark side, so to speak. There's a very notable shift in Stefan's voice, and it sounds a lot more cold and harsh, but whatever. Hey, whatever, without ever descending into like full on cartoon ability, which kind of helps the performance a lot. And because even though what Nobu Katsu does, his arc will be pretty messed up. You can still pretty much understand what drove him to it and watching the arc play out. It has been some of the most compelling stuff in the show so far. And I'm definitely really eager to see what happens now that he's been spared. And uh, for now, I'm definitely going to say Seth has been doing a really great job here. And it goes so far as to say that he was probably the strongest performance in the dub for me, so good job. And now for David Mills and Nobunaga. Uh, good old Nobunaga, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, as we've already said, there are stories about him aren't a particularly new thing for anime, but learning about his apparent actual history certainly is. Uh, which means that this version needs to be less of a mythical figure and more of an actual person, and I think David's Bill's take on him achieves that pretty well. Uh, while Nobunaga has mostly been immortalized in history as a ruthless warlord, at least from what I know of other interpretations of him, he's also supposed to be like a little bit of an eccentric, and Damon plays up that eccentricity quite well. Uh, he makes Nobunaka seem, you know, often impulsive and kind of a little bit foolish. I was a little weird seeing all that get highlighted, knowing who the man eventually becomes. It definitely makes him a little easier to get behind as a protagonist, so I kind of understand why they would play that up for this show. And uh, speaking of the man he becomes... And while David does mostly portray the character as an eccentric, he does occasionally get to dump, he does occasionally get to drop a couple of octaves that every Nobunaga needs to be serious. Although I wouldn't exactly say he's chilling in those moments, he does sound intimidating enough to make the contrast pretty easy to notice, and I definitely like that. Uh, all that said, what makes the Nobunaga interesting and the story of the show by extension is kind of how he has to balance his role as a clan leader against his own feelings towards his family members or his retainers and how much the betrayals he faces kind of weigh at him. Uh, David gets those dots across really well, especially in episodes 7 and 8, where he kind of has to weigh protecting the people of his domain over, you know, taking friends for his family and eventually fighting his own family. And it's a lot to deal with, and David's delivery in those moments definitely did a lot to help hook me on the show. Uh, if I had one complaint about David's performance there, it's that uh, perhaps that, given that he is especially supposed to become the Ododobunaga legend, it's that he doesn't sound all that regal. I mean, I do get that he isn't supposed to immediately get off the aura of a dignified leader that it's kind of the point. But since he is the head of his clan, and he was at least supposedly, and he was supposed to be raised in both politics and warfare, it is a little weird that he just kind of sounds so normal, especially knowing how versatile Damon's range is. Uh, but still, it's but still, it's more of like a nitpick than like a serious complaint. And, uh, the, and Dave's performance is definitely pretty great in spite of that issue. And uh, he definitely plays a very compelling lead, so it's too not, definitely not hard to get behind him. And uh, long story short, I'm definitely enjoying him, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings to the table in the remaining episodes. Well, all four of them. I think it's four. Yeah, I think it's the 12-er. Okay, cool. Yeah, I... I guess I'll start with Nomonaga, actually, just because I want to kind of contrast some points to you. But before I start this, I'd like to point out, by the way, a actual hilarious story that happened because of the show on Twitter. Oh, boy. Uh, was, was that when Dawn, when Dawn announced that she was Kicho, she just tagged a thing that said, I'm married to Damon Mills, y'all! Oh, God! Yeah. And people thought it was real. Oh, of course oh, they boy. did. And I, I talked, I ran into them at Anime Fest, and I talked to them about this. 
And I, I would like to point out, by the way, that Damon is very tall. <laughs> David is very, very tall. Very tall. Dawn is Dawn is like my height, maybe. Uh, but no. Yeah, so I talked to them about this. I'm like, yeah, no, I thought that was really funny that everybody thought you were married. And Damon and Dawn, Dawn are kind of laughing. And Dawn goes, yeah, he's gay, guys. <laughs> so no, Damon Mills is not married to Dawn Bennett. He's kind of gay. So Kinda by kind of, yes. I mean very. Um, but... I want to contrast the last point that you were making about how Nobunaga sounds so normal. I think that Nobunaga is going to get that intimidation after uh, Nobukatsu bites it. When Nobukatsu dies and he actually has to become the vicious Oda Nobunaga, I think that's when it's going to kick in. This is a prediction. I, I don't know. I don't know where the show's going. Uh, I'm not watching ahead. This is just my prediction knowing how my prediction as like somebody who's watched a lot of anime uh damon is great as nobunaga he immediately endeared himself to me in this performance he's actually the main reason that i wanted to do this episode was that uh i had watched episode one and i was so enamored with how eccentric and dorky and fun he was making this character and seeing him do these slight changes in his voice as nobunaga gets older I will say in, uh, I think Jet that a scene that I don't think he brought up or, uh, where I think he does kind of have that intimidating voice is where he has this meeting with, um, with, uh, yes, with Brian Mathis, who is, who's playing Saito Zozan. We're not talking about everybody. This is again, a huge ensemble, um, where he's got to have, he looks like a traditional Lord and there is this mix of him having to be the, the leader young leader of a clan balanced with oh my god i cannot believe that he's making me dress up like this yeah. uh, and he's like his, his like, the stupid hairstyle pulls my face back too much um but i really think that damon the thing that damon works at the best to me in this in this performance is is when he is the conflicted nobunaga he's as much fun as he is being the big dumb dork, um, who big dumb dork Nobunaga who walks around with his titties out, um, tits out for Nobunaga. You're welcome, Hardy. Oh Jesus! Um, that was a fun conversation at Anime Fest where me, me, Roots and him were eating lunch together after uh, he picked us up from the airport, and we were talking about stupid sexy Nobunaga, and I was just like, tits out for Nobunaga in the restaurant. <laughs> and Hardy lost his garbage, uh, right? Oh, Hardy died. <laughs> Hardy, Hardy was as red as a fire truck. Um, but it's when he has to have these moments of internal conflict that he shines really well. And I think he also shines really well when he's getting romantic with Kicho. Um, there's like, there's a part where Kicho is like talking about how she wants to be strong and he just grabs her and in the most suave ass fucking voice goes... Isn't it just enough for us to share this moment and to be intimate like this? And I'm just there on the couch like, yes. <laughs> yes. Please hold me, Nobunaga-sama. Um. Oh, Nobunaga-domo. Um. Honey, take notes. <laughs> I love you. I'm kidding. Um. But there's also when he's got this moment where he's he's got the letter from uh, Nobukatsu where uh, he's like, Nobukatsu's like, we're going to kill our uncle for killing he'd, for killing our brother. And he thinks this back to his dad. It's like, you can't just start a war for petty vengeance. 
And it, you can hear the little twinge in his voice where this is killing him inside. Yeah. Yeah. And he clearly wants speaking to of do things, it, but to do it, he can't because he knows it's not the right thing to do. Speaking of dying on the inside, let's talk about Nobutaka. Oh, God. Nobukatsu. Oh, <laughs> Nobukatsu. Stephen Fu is so good in this show. He is the standout of this dub to me. It's him and Tatum. They have this chemistry between them as manipulator and manipulatee that is very, very rarely done well. I think my favorite thing about Nobukatsu is that, like Jet said, he is descending into his own wallowing madness without being a cartoon villain. It is kind of like the reverse version of Auntie from Goodman, who is a psycho little villain who becomes a good person. And if you didn't think last year between both Genji and especially Auntie and Gridman that Stephen Fu could step it up in a drama where it's needed, this is another prime example because this is, to me, the moment that I think really solidified Stephen Fu for me as this character that you know this is killing him is when uh, they're sitting up kind of on this hill and they're looking out and it's a beautiful vista. And the colors are really nice and stuff. And uh, Suzuki is brushing his hair and Nobukatsu goes, is it, is it okay that I, it's like, when something happens, do, has your world gone black and gray? Because the second that Nobunaga didn't show up at that, at that fort, his vision became black and gray. He is killing himself over this. He is becoming a demon and a monster, and he knows it, and he can't stop it because his feel it, his brother betrayed him. The person that, like, like literally, remember, one of his fondest memory is of his birthday when, as a child, Nobunaga gives him the ball and says to him, the happiest day of my life is when you started crying as a baby because yeah. that's the day I became your brother. And Steven has to play this character who his brother means the world to him. He has not been able to see him. He has had to stay away from him. And remember, Suzuki lies to his mother. Yep. About him dismounting the horse and almost dying. Like, it, it's really weird is there's... I forget where this, this line is from. It's... Um, when he died, I died as I lived. And I forget what that was from. It's from another anime, and I know it's from an anime I talked about because it was, like, one of my favorite lines, and I've used that... I've used that in other things, like, for writing and stuff. Nobu... No, the Nobukatsu that Nobunaga knows died with Hidetaka. He died the same day. And Steven having to play this character who is essentially died and re become reborn in the worst way possible is really, really good. And if you're not watching the show, you don't get to hear a performance like that very often. And especially by an actor who, like, we were bringing this up with how Derek Snow being announced as Shinra, everyone's like, who's this new fucking voice actor? It's, if you're not watching shows like Kochiki, if you're not watching your Kakarios, your Token Rambus, 
you're missing where actors like Derek and like Steven or even a point like Damon, like um, Chris, because Chris Wakecamp took a really long time to, to get where he's at, or like Anastasia Munoz, where these actors have done these dubs that they have these really great performances in them. Um, but because they're not like your Dragon Ball Z's, or your your Doctor Stones, or your your My Heroes, or your Fire Forces, where they're gonna they're gonna prop these shows up to you, like this is the hot thing, everybody's watching it, and shows like I, I guess I'm kind of getting in a little bit of my own final thoughts, but shows like Coach Key, and their dubs will fly under the radar. You're gonna miss a lot of these actors really digging their teeth into these performances. And so when they have these moments, like, I, I'm using Derek Snow as the example because Derek Snow is is kind of a really good poster child for the season. When Derek Snow gets to do something like Shinra or, like, when Justin Briner got announced as Deku, for a lot of people, though, like, they, to, to, to reference a movie, they're the guy at the beginning of the Guardians of the Galaxy where it's like, you know, I'm Star-Lord. Who? Who? Yep. Yeah. Where everybody else is like that, people who like like us or like your cartoon ciphers, um, and, or like some of our fans, where everyone's like, "Who?" We're like, like for us, I, I remember that Justin Brider is a really good example of this. Where everyone's like, "I don't know about this Justin Brider kid." We're all like, "Oh yeah, he's gonna be fine." Yeah, yeah, yeah he's done, he's had like three other leads. Calm your tits, kids. It's, it's like that old quip of Amon about Attack on Titan. It's fine. They know what they're doing. Yep. <laughs> um, it's fine, guys. Fine, guys. But just Stephen Fu in this, I think he has become an actor that... I know I've recently uh, definitely have been starting to put him on a lot more of my prediction list a lot more often. I know uh, Kyle Ignacius is also up there for me now. Yep. Uh, Derek's up there. I just... Yeah, but... Anyway, but seriously, like... Seriously... Stephen Fu's Obo Nobukatsu is like super fucking good, guys. Like it is fantastic. It is also one of my favorite performances. I think of this, uh, not only of the show but of this season. Hmm. So, uh, with that being said, uh, final thoughts because this has gone on a lot longer than I thought. But there's like a good half hour break in the middle yeah. of this. <laughs> so, uh, Roots, go ahead. Um. I honestly think you just nailed a lot of what I was about to say really well just now i'm so uh, sorry don't be it's all right like, i'm sorry this this is a very interesting show not just in the in the subject matter of like no gimmicks no th uh, of no gimmicks no frills just a historical fiction about nobunaga like no bells, no whistles. It's just about the man, and some of the some of the historical things he did, and how he probably handled them. Uh, there are a lot of great dub performances, a lot of, um, and I mean, there's even some actors in here who really haven't done a lot in the way of. Simul dubs or even broadcast dubs. I looked on ANN and I saw Duncan Brannon in the cast list. Yup. I thought Duncan Brannon has done one before. Uh, just Seraph of the End, as far as I can tell. And um, a couple of. No, Honda. Honda Kun, I think. I was about to say, and a couple of reprisals from stuff he's already done. 
Because I think it was also in Barakamon. Yeah. yeah, he well, he did Barakamon, but the simul dub in question would be Honda-kun. Right. Um, and then he had a small role in, um, he's, uh, Snow White with the red hair. Oh, okay. I was gonna give you a word, but then I got high. There it is. He's also in Rolling, he's also been in, like, Rolling Girls, uh, Sarah. Right, right. Yeah. Usually it's just, like, smaller stuff. Yeah, usually it's, like, really small things, and it was really good to see his name in there again, because, like, I remember him from the days of, like, Dragon Ball Z as Bobbity. But, um... Oh, yeah, that's right. He's Nobuhiro. He's the older brother. Yep. He's the older brother, yep. But, um... And, as Megan was saying, like... If you're looking at cast lists as they're getting announced and seeing, like, names that are unfamiliar to you, but these people have done, like, major roles in some of the smaller Funimation dubs, by all means... Check those out because sometimes those are buried gems. Like, I have gone on diatribes about how Akka was one of the best dubs of 2017, and it kind of seems like people slept on it. And, you know, stuff like, um, stuff like ping pong back before the days of the, of the broadcast dub, and. You know, just these projects that seem like passion projects of the director and the the cast and the crew involved. Like, step out of your comfort zone and check out some of these every once in a while. Because, you know, like, number one, you, you're probably going to find something you're going to like. And number two, you never know if one of these names that is completely unfamiliar to you is going to turn around and be in the next grandiose Shonen Jump adaptation. So, and I'm really glad a show like Dub Talk exists where we decide as things are getting announced that, you know, we're going to cover some of these smaller scale shows. (laughs) Because I really feel like, you know... We're kind of a small podcast right now, but we are also bringing attention to the the more obscure shows of Funimation's, like, 15, 20 shows that they get every season. So, yeah. Uh, do check out Kochiki. I really enjoyed it. Great dub. Really good. Oh, boy. Um, so. Yeah, the... Both of you are basically, like, taking words out of my mouth. That's fine. Uh, (laughs) So, while this is the season where we have a few large shows like Fire Force and Dr. Stone, and Fruits Basket's still going strong at this point, too, um, it's always interesting when we get the chance to talk about such underrated underdog kind of shows like Kochiki. Um, Because, like Roots was saying, like... (laughs) Some people would be, this would fly completely under most people's radar. Megan had to try and find a summary for this show. Yeah, I legitimately could not, I I googled Kochiki. There's not even a Wikipedia on it, guys. That's how basically non-existent the show is on people's radar, and it's kind of a shame, because, um, 
while it's not the greatest show in the world, it's a hell of a lot of fun. Um, there's a lot of heart and drama and comedy to it. Um, and it's an <laughs> again, it's an Oda Nobunaga show about Oda Nobunaga. It's one of the rare instances where I can say that statement and it's actually surreal saying that. <laughs> um, but in terms of the dub itself, it's, I think it's a very solid, kind of, a, it, it's in the middle ground. It's not outright strong and the greatest thing in the world, but it's not a heaping pile of crap either. It's not a mess. Um, it's still very solid, and by Funimation standards, solid still means very, very good, uh, in my mind anyway. But, um... Uh, it's it's fun. It's great casting choices. It's fun performances. Directing and writing, I think, is very solid. Um, all around, it's such a great dub, and it's very very much being slept on. Um, so, since Megan and Ruth basically covered like probably eighty percent of my final thoughts on this, I'm just gonna say this: if you haven't seen Kochiki yet, you really should. I'm just gonna say that. Uh, thank you, Megan, for forcing me to watch this. <laughs> You're fucking welcome. Yeah, okay. Um, okay, uh, so even though my knowledge of Sekiro era history is kind of scattered, I've seen Oda Nobunaga's name slapped across so many shows over the years and seen his tales told in so many different ways that I was honestly pretty convinced I was done with Oda Nobunaga's stories altogether. Uh, but this show made me a believer again, or at least, you know, it's maybe, or maybe a believer to begin with, because um, it's something that's actually mostly dedicated to the actual history and legacy of Oda Nobunaga. Well, it is youth, apparently. I mean, we'll see how that goes. Uh, seeing all the various political conflicts and all the family power struggles you have to deal with on his rise to power has been way more interesting than a lot of the wacky fictional stuff that's been done with him. And the presentation here has been so effective that it's not something that pretty much no other Nobunaga show has actually done for me. It's made me want to actually learn more about Sengoku era history, so good job, guys. And that right there really speaks to how good this show has been in its execution. And while the dub isn't, like, super amazing, it's still very solid, and there's some really soft performances in the mix from folks like Mark Sauter, Don Bennett, and Stephen Fu. And, uh... Again, it's a shame this show is falling under the radar so quickly because, again, it's a pretty solid show. And if you have even the slightest bit of history, I mean, bit of interest in the actual history of Motonobunaka, as opposed to, you know, him being used for some weird anime gimmick, I think this show might be right up your alley. It's, it's a pretty good time. Uh, so, like I said, I, I really, really, really enjoy this dub. I, I really enjoyed this dub from episode one. This was a dub that instantly drew me to a show that I wasn't going to check out uh, because I was like, oh, great. Oh, there's the cat. <laughs> Hi, Shinya. She's been asleep for like the last parts of recording and then she's just suddenly, I just suddenly see her pawing at the door to be let out. You're not getting let out until mommy's done. <laughs> Sorry, Shinya. Not today. Not today, sweetie. Mommy's not done with her podcast. Um... No, the thing that I really enjoyed, like I said, I was really enjoyed this by episode one. I originally wasn't going to check out the show, and then I just decided to on a whim when, like, a bunch of episode ones came out, and immediately was like, yeah, we're doing this as a fucking episode. Um, D Damon's performance really drew me in, but this is a cast that is, uh, even for all the people that we didn't talk about, uh, like, uh, let me get a couple of names here. 
Give me back my last tab. Uh, well, I mean, well, you, I mean, well, you mentioned a couple before. You had Paul Slavens uh, as Nobuhide. And you had... Yeah. Paul Slavens as Nobuhide, Duncan Brennan, um, Duncan Brennan as Nobutaka. Uh, just to go, just to even just not even name care other characters. Uh, this is a this is a dub that has uh, in some of its ensemble characters: Dallas Reed, Bruce DeBus, Chris Burnett, Alejandro Saab, Adam Gibbs, Aaron Roberts, Brandon Potter, Brian Mathis, um, Ivan Jasso, Jacob Browning, Michaela Krantz, Rachel Glass, Randy Perlman, Sean Gann, um, Justin Briner. Like, there's a lot of people. Justin, by the way, Justin Briner playing like the absolute like cowardice shit stain is the funniest thing in the show in the world to me in this show. Um, also when they get the ostrich. Um, cause that's the thing that happens at one point. Is there's an ostrich. Um. There is, this is an ensemble cast that's really solid. And I think I said, like, what really I really appreciate is the fact that this is a dub that is unfortunately flying over the radar. What has an actor who I think maybe some people know because Funimation did prop up SSS Gridman pretty highly. It was a same-day simuldub for a while when it aired. Uh, where if you thought Stephen Fu was great and now he's not appearing and things, go watch stuff like this where he's appearing. Um, I think this is a really solid dub. This is a very underrated show. I think this has a lot of really underrated year, year performances. So it's going to be interesting to see how Funimation's fall lineup plays out as well as uh, the other broadcasts. Uh, companies that are doing that do dubs that put out in the end of the year to see where this would fall. Um, I would honestly God say I would buy this. I would 100% buy this as a show to have on my shelf. I enjoyed it that much. Um, and before we leave, I have another uh, bit of wisdom from my good buddy Mal. Oh boy. Um, Mal, stop talking talking to me about how our OCs broke each other's ribs. Um, no, no. She also has the cutest puppy right now, whose name is Minty. It's the cutest. So there's a really famous poem in Japan, and it goes, A Zen master approached the three Sengoku rulers of Japan. Uh, what they would do with a cuckoo who wouldn't sing. Nobunaka said to kill it. Hideyoshi said make it sing. And Tokugawa said to wait. It goes with how to remember them. Nobunaga was the most vicious and cruel. Hideyoshi was the most cunning. And, Toku and Tokugawa was the most patient. Instead of po it was a poem about how they conquered the land and how they treated the people. Which is really weird because Nobunaga is such a nice guy in the show. <laughs> but I would definitely recommend people check this out. Um, especially for Stephen Fu's performance. And uh, there's another episode where I'm going to bring up a lot of the point of like, please watch a lot of these shows that have a lot of actors who you don't really know. Because for some people it might be the first time. Because there's another dub that Steph and I are going to talk about that has a lot of first timers on it. And it's actually kind of working out for the benefit of that show in a weird way. Hooray! But there are other times where it shows like this that have a mix of really established veterans. And as Steph said before, you can't really call a lot of these people new anymore. They have been doing this for a while, but now they're starting to really pick up and assert their prop, uh, assert their place. And definitely for somebody like Steven, I think that's there. So if you'd like to watch Coach Key, it is exclusively both sub and dub on Funimation. Uh, with By the time that this is out, it's probably going to be done, but... If it's not, episodes go up for the sub, I believe, Monday morning, and they go up for the dub Monday afternoon. Uh, if you'd like to support us and do anything we do, we are the Dub Talk Podcast. You can follow us at Facebook, Twitter, 
uh, no, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, Twitch, whatever. If you'd like to make a one-time donation to us, our Kofi is in the link below. But if you'd like to become a permanent Patreon in any way, shape, and form, like our wonder other wonderful patrons, like Crimson Echidna, Michelle Travis, Nico Robin, but with Yowie Hands, Jacob Wilson, Carly Lustical, Marissa Lenti, Brad Mitchell, Weeby, and Jared, you can also do that as well. Um, uh, uh, just because this recording is going on really long, I'm just going to pimp out everybody for you. Go ahead. Uh, you can follow... Roots of Justice at Roots of Justice. He posts pug pictures and shit posts. He's going to try to get some reviews up on his own. You can follow Jet at Divine Nega. He also does his own anime reviews at in, uh, at Animation Affinity. Yep. Uh, where this season he has been reviewing Astro Lost in Space. And if you'd like to follow Stephanie, you can follow her at Lilac Anime Review on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review. Review spell R-E-V-U-E. Like review Starlight. Yay. da 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 uh, she also has her blog that she doesn't update as much at Life in, uh, Life in Times Otaku at WordPress.com. Yep. <laughs> you can follow me. I'm Megan. You can follow me at Queen Air 2. I shitpost and I probably cry about Fire Emblem. With that being said, this, uh, guys, it's time to get back into the time machine. I don't think we fucked up the timeline. Say goodbye to the Sengoku era. I've got the cat. We're good to go. Yay. All right. I'm just going to turn around here nonchalantly. And oh, shit, I stepped on a butterfly. God damn it! Oh! Oh, god damn it. Now. God damn it, Roots. Why? Why, why you are do there. This? Why is our president a goat? <laughs> Hardy! Hardy? That's it. I quit. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Night. And. Otaku on. And Otaku does. on, my friends, and what. And whatever you do, oh God, nobody get the idea to make Nobunaga. Oh, God damn it. There's five animes about Nobunaga being a Wally next year. God oh, damn it. Come on, Megan. You don't say it. It's because you stepped on the butterfly. You butterfly. know that, right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>